Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Today is Friday, July 17th, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, we have lost one of our greatest civil rights lions. The Reverend Dr. C.T. Vivian passed away today at the age of 95. We have a special digital home going for him. We will talk with Bernice King, the daughter of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who, of course, C.T. Vivian served as one of his lieutenants. We'll also talk with Diane Nash, uh, with Bernard Lafayette, Reverend James Lawson, founder of the Nashville Movement, John Hope Bryant, a number of people we have lined up to celebrate him, including Ambassador Andrew Young. You do not want to miss that. Plus, you don't want to miss the one-on-one interview I did with him. Trust me, it's an amazing interview. Amount Arbery's killers have decided to plead not guilty. We will, of course, t- t- talk about that. Plus, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp 
uh, is suing Atlanta Mayor Keisha Bottoms, not just the city, personally. Secretary Pompeo gives his thoughts on the New York Times 1619 project. We'll show you how stupid and idiotic he is. And the Defense Secretary has decided to officially ban Confederate flags from military bases. Take that, Donald Trump. We also join on the show by Ambassador Susan Rice. Of course, she, of course, is on the short list to be uh, VP for Joe Biden. She will also talk about racism as a national security threat, as well as on the show, Fulton County DA Paul Howard will update us on the Rashad Brooks case. He also is facing a tough runoff for his seat. Folks, we have a jam-packed show. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Georgia man who killed 25-year-old Ahmaud Arbery pleaded not guilty today. Travis McMichael, his father, Gregory McMichael, have been charged with murder and aggravated assault. Their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, who recorded the killing, has been charged with felony murder and criminal attempt to commit false imprisonment. A judge will decide if the case moves to trial or it gets dismissed. Now, speaking of what's happening in the court cases, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms is being sued by Georgia Governor Brian Kemp over the city's mask mandate. Kemp claimed that, that the measure is violating his emergency orders. This is what he tweeted. This lawsuit is on behalf of the Atlanta business owners and their hardworking employees who are struggling to survive during these difficult times. Moments later, Bottoms responded, tweeting, 3,104 Georgians have died, and I and my family are amongst the 106,000 who have tested positive for COVID-19. Meanwhile, I have been sued by Governor Kemp for a mask mandate. A better use of taxpayer money would be to expand testing and contact tracing. Hashtag ATL strong. Wow. Let's bring in uh, our panel. Uh, certainly join us this week. Rob Richardson, host of Disruption Now podcast. Derek Holly, president, Reaching America and political analyst. Uh, Rob, what the hell? Seriously? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, the, we are in 137,000 Americans have died. We are seeing record cases. Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, Arizona, we are trying to stop a pandemic. I totally understand. I am a small business owner. I totally get that. But how much use is it to have a business stay open when you're dead and your employees are dead or seriously ill? Yeah, I mean, I'm really sorry I laughed, but you have to laugh to keep from crying or just going off. But, you know, this governor, Governor Kemp, is in the race 
to be the, one of the most stupidest governors we have, and that's a that's saying stuff because we got a lot of stupid governors that are following. I mean, it's really a lot president. of. I mean, it's like it's, it's like a lot of competition between it Ron is. DeSantis, Tate Reeves, and Greg Abbott in it Texas. Is. It is. I, I don't know who's going to take it, but right now I say Kemp is leading. He's really he's really stupid. And here's the thing: like, let's let's even talk about this from an economic point of view. If you don't solve the virus, you don't solve the economics. Most people are not coming out if they don't feel safe. So all this effort to say that you're acting on behalf of business is not even true. But more importantly, lives are more important than property. So uh, if we actually had a competent govern uh, uh, government right now, we don't. That would be happening now, and businesses would get the support that they need. But instead, we're acting. We're we have some fake war on science. This is this is reality. We are in a pandemic, and the United States of America has failed leadership, no leadership, and we're deciding to engage in stupidity. This is stupid as hell. It's dumb. <clears throat> Derek, I'm not trying to pick on your fellow Republican governors. I am. But stupid. but 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 Derek, seriously. Clearly. But Derek, seriously. Here's the deal. Clearly. Okay. If, if if Gavin Newsom was doing stupid stuff, I'm going to rip him. He has. If, if Cuomo was doing stupid stuff, I'm going to rip him. He has. But what we're dealing with here, the evidence is clear. It's abundant. And you... So, I thought Republicans cared about local control. I thought they hated big government. <clears throat> then why is he... Why, then why is she telling everybody she got to wear, wear a mask? Why is it a law to wear a mask? We should be responsible enough to wear a mask if you want to. No, right? no, 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 let no. me finish, you finished. No. Let me finish. Here in Maryland, it's not a law that you have to wear, wear a mask. However, they do ask you before you come into a store to please put on a mask. And it's left up to your discretion whether you do so or not. You shouldn't have to find an individual, threaten to put him in jail in order to wear a mask. Yes, you can. That is lawsuit and everything. No, but yes, you can. Yes, you can. I don't. I, I don't get with that. No, yes, you but can. Don't you tell can. me. Don't tell me. I have to wear a mask. Yes, you can. You do. If you're no, gonna you hang around, wait a minute. Hold up. Wait a minute. If I tell your ass to wear some shoes and a shirt well, for service, well, that's guess different. what? That's different. Guess what? How wait, wait, wait. Hold up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up, Derek, 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 Derek. One second. Hold up, hold up. Derek, Derek, Derek. Derek, if I gotta require Derek, one second. If I gotta require if I gotta require you to wear shoes, I can't require you wear a mask. You gonna tell me I rode yesterday I rode my bike 42 miles. You telling me I gotta wear a mask when I go cycling? If I run six miles, you telling me I gotta put on a mask? Hell no. You're First, making a full argument. No, nobody's saying if you're outside riding a bike that you have to wear a mask. If you're going to be around people, hold on. If you're going to be that's around people saying. indoors, one second, one second, Rob. That's what she's saying. No, Rob. Said, no, 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 no. One second, one second. If you're going to be indoors, we're Derek, not saying Derek, you're Derek, hold on, hold on. Rob, then Derek, go. Okay. Listen, if you're outside, the the virus dissipates in a large outside area. You can you don't and you're not by people. You don't have to wear a mask. No one's saying that. What you're saying if you're going That's into facilities, you're, go, you're going into one an event second, where you're going to be around Rob, a lot of people. Finish, you go. spread the virus. That's all. We want to stop spreading the virus. Like why is this a fight with science? I don't understand this. Like what is this? Now now now, Derek 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 Derek. Let me ask you a question. The head of the Derek. Let me ask you a question, Derek. The head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention which is located in Georgia. Say, hold on, one, one, one second. Well, I, clearly, Brian Kemp isn't quite sure. If the head of the CDC says, if we can get 
all Americans to wear a mask for the next two months, we can completely get this under control. That's what the head of the CDC said. No, that's That's what he said. I'm quoting him. She's saying saying that she wants anybody who leaves the house to put on a mask. That means if you leave your house, because I think it's ridiculous for individuals to be sitting in their car with the windows up by themselves with a mask on. So you're telling anybody who leaves their house, regardless of what you're going to do, you need to put a mask. Hell no. You ain't going to put no law and tell me I got to do that. So... You're perfectly fine with Brian Kemp's lawsuit. I didn't say that. No, 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 no. I'm asking. No, I'm asking you a question. I said I don't get what I don't get the lawsuit. I said that early on. But what I am saying is, don't tell me I got to wear a mask. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny that Trumpers find this as their new movement, wearing a mask. Like this is their sudden civil rights movement. Like I won't wear a mask, dude. This ain't got shit to do with Trump. Actually, it does. No, it don't. Actually, it does. This is Derek Holland. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Actually, it does. The fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, what what you have here is the people, all of these these Republican governors who are in, who are in, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. All of these Republican governors who are in opposition to mask mandates. I'm just going to give you an example, Rob and Derek. I remember that white woman in Texas. When Judge Eric Moyer, a brother, told her, ma'am, look, the orders were you need to shut your businesses down to save people. That was the order. That was the order. She goes, she's like, I'm not apologizing. All of these people, these right-wing folks start giving her money, half a million dollars raised. Governor Greg Abbott says, that was not the intention uh, of my executive order. You can't uh, put somebody in jail. We shouldn't be telling people to wear a mask. What happens? He reopens the state Memorial Day. Cases go up. Guess who all of a sudden says, you know what? We're going to have to require people to wear masks. We might have to shut the entire state down because of coronavirus. The same Governor Greg Abbott. That, Derek, is why they require you to wear a damn mask. No, Derek, they require you to wear a mask because guys like you are so hard-headed. Did he make it a law? He said, he first, it a law? first of all, listen, you didn't want to say it. You didn't want to say it. Governor Greg Abbott said, not a law. you did not listen to what I said. Abbott said, we, Eric, Derek, let me finish. Abbott said, we are going to have to require people to wear masks. He first. Oh, I, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. This, see, this, no, 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 no. It's folk who listen to you who out there catching coronavirus and spreading... No, no. If you listen to me, you're going to protect yourself. If you listen to me, you're going to protect your family. That's the problem. Rob, 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 well, guess what? And and that's... And Rob, that attitude right there, Rob, is precisely why cases are spiking. That's why cases are spiking. Rob, that's why cases are spiking. Rob, go ahead. Rob, go ahead. Listen, listen, you look... All these governors, Governor DeSantis, all, that has said that. Oh, there was that one clip where, 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 where uh, you know, Governor DeSantis was like, "Well, we're not, we're not going to be the new, new New York. We're not going to do that." You guys all said that, and we have victory, and he opened the state, and they're worse than New York ever was. 
data works and we have to protect people. Like this is not, at the end of the day, Derek, this is not about me, this is not about you, it's about others. You may not die from it, Bro. but you don't want to pass and it on I, to your Hold on, wait, 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 hold on, Derek, hold on, Derek, 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 you also said, Derek, you also said that, oh, what Abbott did wasn't the same as Lance Bottoms. Uh, Henry, go to my iPad. Uh, one second, Governor, yes, you did. Governor Greg Abbott, or I, I, Derek, Governor Greg Abbott orders Texans in most counties to wear masks in public. I'm not done. I, he order it. What is it? There's a difference. There's no, there is no difference. He's, he's a, it's okay. an executive order. I okay. it's like a law. Okay. What are you talking about? I, I, I can't believe okay. we have a debate. Uh, well, that's a law, and he's, he ordered. It's the same. If it's, in, yeah. if it's in his powers to do it, wait. Okay. Let me give a, a, a little bit of a civics lesson. If it's in his powers to do it by the legislator, and he and he and he, ex and he exercises his power, it operates like the law because he's executing the law under his power as an executive. So yes, it's the law. Let me get one more. Let me get. Let me get one more. Let me get one more. Henry, go to my iPad. Alabama Very Governor Kay Ivey. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey issues statewide mask mandate in public spaces beginning Thursday. Derek. You have Republican governors who are realizing we got to keep people safe, but you, I'm not wearing a mask. I don't have to wear a mask. Uh, that's just oh, bullheaded and silly. No, if I'm going out to ride my bike, Roland, I'm not putting on no oh, damn that's mask. That's a bike. Oh, Period. How many times? If I go, if I go running, I'm not putting on no damn mask. Okay, guess if what? I you know what? Car, you know what, Derek? Myself, I'm not putting on no mask. Okay, first of all, Derek, if you're no, no, hold, Derek, 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 if you're riding, if you're riding, in, Derek, if you're riding in a car, you don't have to put a mask on because you're in the car. Well, why do okay? you have people doing it? This is the silliness, right? Because this is the silliness right here. Here's the deal, people. Let, everybody who's watching right now, let me tell y'all about another Derek, a top Florida official in uh, Florida. He had the same attitude as Derek, opposing mask. His ass is in ICU right now, critical condition, because he got coronavirus. Also, I told y'all yesterday, Chuck Woolery, oh, he just trashed all his mask mandate. Now his son got coronavirus. Now Chuck has deleted his Twitter account, because now he looks like a damn fool by opposing it. So if you want to sit here and oppose it, that's fine. Let me go to my next. If you want to stop wearing a mask, start wearing a mask, so we can stop having to wear a mask. It's really simple. Wear the mask so we can stop wearing them. Now, we wanna, I want to stop, too. Yeah, I would love to stop, too. But the bottom line is, when you got people who are so damn hard-headed and don't want to pay attention, that's what you got. Let's go to our next story. Secretary Pompeo harshly criticized the New York Times 1619 Project, saying that their underlying message is that, quote, our country was founded for human bondage. Duh. It's a slander on great people. Watch this, fool. The New York Times 1619 Project so named for the year that the first slaves were transported to America, wants you to believe that our country was founded for human bondage. They want you to believe that America's institutions continue to reflect the country's acceptance of slavery at our founding. They want you to believe that Marxist ideology, that America is only the oppressors and the oppressed. The Chinese Communist Party must be gleeful when they see the New York Times spout this ideology. Some people have taken these false doctrines to heart. The rioters pulling down statues thus see nothing wrong with desecrating monuments to those who fought for our unalienable rights from our founding to the present day. This is a dark vision of America's birth. I reject it. It's a disturbed reading of our history. It is a slander on our great people. <laughs> Dumbass. 
The New York Times 1619 Project is an ongoing initiative that re-examines the legacy of slavery in the United States since the first Africans were brought to Virginia. Derek, what history book does that fool read? <laughs> I don't know, bro. No, no, I mean, that's your party. So I'm just saying, I'm like... You can't associate me with everybody in that damn party. No, I'm okay? just saying, I'm, I'm, <laughs> say, I'm saying that's your party. Well, here's the thing, bro. Okay, but here's the thing. I don't know why he made comments. I am as you black know, like, as you are, and I know what I know my history, and I know where we came from. So I don't understand why Secretary Pompeo made the marks. It's, it's, it's very questionable, and I don't know why. I truly was founded on slavery, and, and it's, it's a dark past that needs to be addressed. And until we get to the root of it, we're going to continue to have these problems that we're having out here in the streets right now. Well, I agree, and I know why he said it because he's playing to he's playing to a base and people that like to believe that uh, these things didn't exist, and they want to and they want to uh, paint people that are protesting that are challenging America as anti-American. This is you know as we're honoring the the great C.T. Vivian, they said the same thing about him. They said the same thing about Martin Luther King. They said that they were communists. Uh, our our government challenged them, and actually had the FBI watch over them. Uh, because they were supposed to be Marxist. This is this is this is an old playbook that goes back uh, to the beginning of America. And I, I just want to say this: when he talks about the dark chapter of America, America does have a dark chapter, uh, uh, as Derek said, and we agree on this. We do, and you know Frederick Douglass said it during the when he talked about the Fourth of July. Like we talk about professing freedom, but we have people in chains during World War II when uh, when when Black Americans were overseas fighting the Germans who they who they locked up would go ahead of them while uh, when they were actually locked up, and we'd have to sit in the back of the bus while we talk and profess about freedoms. And now when George Floyd was killed, sparking an a, a ongoing collective grievance, the world was protesting to make sure that America is living up to the realities and the ideals that it says it has. So I, this man is trying to paint a picture that is not true, because he wants to, they want to get people riled up to make people feel like America is under attack. America's not under attack. We're under a revelation, and we need to be clear I, 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 about who we are <coughs> and tell the truth. Derek, go ahead. I, I agree with everything you said. I agree with everything you said, but I do not agree with the protest that that is being overshadowed by some individuals, some of these white kids who ain't got a damn thing to do with Black Lives Matter, who care less about our Black lives, who are just 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 tearing up stuff for no reason at all. Oh, now, Derek, see, that's not that's not overshadowing. It. That's not overshadowing it. That's what happens when you also... That's not overshadowing it. That's what happens when you also have mainstream media who gives that far more attention. But here's the deal. If you actually look at the totality... If you set a fire to the Wendy's... If you set a fire to the Wendy's, how is that more attention? You set a fire to the Wendy's, the white girl where the brother was shot down under. That was a white girl, bro. I know that. Derek, I'm aware of that. I, I, we followed the yeah. story. Rob, go ahead. Now, when you judge a movement by its most extreme elements, that's the talk of the oppressor. That's the talk of people that don't want to see the movement. The when you just hold on, hold on, Derek, hold on. Derek, Derek Rob is hold talking. Hold on. Let Rob finish, then I'm gonna come back to you, Rob, then Derek. So Fox News and others likes to just focus on the most extreme elements. Nobody here is advocating for violence. But we're talking about what's going on. It's not being overshadowed. That's what others like to do in order to distract from it. Now you oh can talk. Goodness. Now, Derek, go ahead. What y'all don't want to do is admit the problem. The white people's a problem doing that stuff to the movement. That's all I'm saying. I okay. use that as one example, and you want to put that out as, no. oh, he's using that. No, I know. I actually. That's one example. And right. And, and, and you're, actually, you're making our point. 
it's one okay. example when okay. there are numerous other folks who have been doing stuff right. You only brought up and one. Now, now, allow me to bring... Let's go to our next story. Defense Secretary Mark Esper has officially announced that all displays of Confederate battle flags are banned on U.S. military bases. In his memo, he stated that displays of the American flag, state and territory flags, and the POW MIA flag and unit flags are okay. This is what he said in a tweet. With this change in policy, we will, we will further improve the morale, cohesion, and readiness of the force in defense of our great nation. Derek, the other day, Donald Trump uh, said he had no problem with folks, folks flying the Confederate flag. In fact, he also said that if they changed the name of military bases named after Confederate generals, he would veto it. So clearly you have the Did defense... You say that? <laughs> I didn't hear that part. Now you know you're going to get the tape, so... <laughs> Go get the tape! Go get the tape! So, I mean, I can't do it, man. <laughs> so, Derek, Derek, why, why is the standard bear of your party all of a sudden being the champion of Confederate flags? I don't know. I can't answer and speak for that, man. Okay? We, we talked about Confederate flags a couple of weeks ago when I was on this show, and I gave you my position. And so, you know, they need to go. I don't know why President Trump has comments. And you, you said he made the comments to keep them. So, you know, I got to go with what you said because I didn't hear those comments. Rob? Well, he's a racist, and so he wants to he, he wants to get he wants to get people that he thinks are going to be more likely to vote if he can get their rage up. So he wants to focus on that. He wants to pretend as if uh, the Confederacy is part of their heritage. It is not. Her Confederacy was around for five years. The whole purpose we know this was to was to actually betray the nation. Uh, they wanted to to branch off. They were traitors to this nation, and they were they were fighting for a horrible cause, which was to preserve slavery. Period. And, and he wants to, and, and he likes and he wants to talk about that. He wants to preserve white superiority. That's who this president is. That's and, who he is. And just That's in and just in case and just that. and just well, Derek, this is what Donald Trump said just a couple of days ago to CBS Evening News in exclusive. Listen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. President Trump, back in 2015, you said the Confederate battle flag belongs in a museum. Do you still believe that? All I say is freedom of speech. It's very simple. My attitude is freedom of speech. Very strong views on the Confederate flag. With me, it's freedom of speech. Very simple. Like it, don't like it, it's freedom of speech. Would you be comfortable with your supporters displaying the Confederate battle flag at uh, well, political events? Well, you know, it depends on what your definition is, but I am comfortable with freedom of speech. It's very simple. But you understand why the flag is a painful symbol for many people, because it's a reminder of sa- slavery. Well, people love it, and I don't view... I know people that like the Confederate flag, and they're not thinking about slavery. I look at NASCAR. You go to NASCAR, you had those flags all over the place. They stopped it. I just think it's freedom of speech, whether it's Confederate flags or Black Lives Matter or anything else you want to talk about. It's freedom of speech. President Trump, back in 2015, you said... That's Derek? He said it's freedom of speech. I mean, it is freedom of speech, right? I mean, I don't give a damn about a Confederate flag. I can care less about a Confederate flag. But it is freedom of speech. It's, It's freedom of speech... But it's a difference when the state sponsors it, okay? So let's let's get this clear. So it's freedom of speech to have a Nazi flag. Should we do that? Should the state f- sponsor that? There is no difference in my mind from hanging up a Nazi flag to hanging up a Confederate flag. They similar. They 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 mean the same thing. And no state should be sponsoring it. And if you want to do it personally, if you want to be a personal jackass and have it, it is your right. But the state shouldn't be supporting it. That's what we're talking about, Derek. Okay. Lord have mercy. We are truly dealing with some stuck-on-stupid people. Folks, former National Security Advisor Ambassador Susan Rice believes that we are in the middle of two pandemics, coronavirus and racism. She also believes that both are national security threats. She joins us right now. Susan Rice, how you doing? I'm great, Roland. How you doing? Oh, you know, sitting here having to deal with stupid people who are three blocks away from my office, who reside in the White House, who say truly some of the dumbest stuff in the world. When you you hear that nonsense, this refusal to condemn the Confederate flag and then say, oh, the people who are flying it, they are thinking about slavery. This is no big deal. It's freedom of speech. And if they want to fly it, you know, at at my rallies, okay, whatever. Donald Trump is absolutely, Ambassador, appealing to the most the most hardcore racist or folks uh, in pushing those buttons. Agree or disagree? Absolutely agree. I mean, the, the dog whistle has become a bullhorn. 
And the blower of that bullhorn is the modern day George Wallace. And, you know, it's that bad. It really is. And, you know, we've got the president expressing much more concern for Confederate monuments and flags than he is for the lives of Americans, over 135,000 of whom have died on his watch because his utter failure to handle the coronavirus. So he's made clear what his priorities are and how he intends to, to run for re-election, which is by pouring salt in the racial wounds and trying to you know, divide this country. When you look at that decision made by the defense secretary, and then you hear the nonsense from Mike Pompeo, the secretary of state, I mean, this is the individual. I mean, it's two contrasts. Secretary of Defense says you can't fly the Confederate flag uh, at military bases. It's just not allowed. Then you overhear Secretary Mike Pompeo just, just in denial about how this nation was created as if somehow uh, that, that we haven't been dealing with uh, racism, Jim, slavery, Jim Crow, and still dealing with the vestiges of that. I mean, these are so-called leaders. And these are leaders to the rest of the world. As somebody who's been on the international stage, it has to absolutely drive you crazy to see that as the representation of the United States. Well, it, it does rather uh, pain me to see this, to say the least. But, you know, it's actually a really serious challenge because consistent with our values and our leadership in the world, you know, we should be condemning racism. We should be condemning anti-Semitism, homophobia, all of the ways in which discriminatory or autocratic societies abuse the rights of their people. And rather than speaking up and speaking up with moral authority, we're modeling much of that behavior here at home. And uh, at, in the same, in, at the same time, drastically diminishing our global leadership and our ability to bring other countries and peoples to join with us to deal with challenges that affect our security uh, and our uh, prosperity and well-being. So it's not just about, you know, Secretary Pompeo being insensitive, uh, even though, to put it politely, he is. It's about squandering our leadership in the role and undermining our national security as a consequence. And when we talk about that, I mean, now we're, I mean, again, after eight years of President Barack Obama, um, not only, I mean, obviously being the first black president in American history and that type of diplomacy, to see this, for lack of a better phrase, this thuggish foreign policy, this grotesque display that we see across the world, um, what are you hearing from foreign leaders who you still talk with how are they looking at us? I mean, how are they viewing this country in this moment of an international pandemic and uh, global financial issues and you're still dealing with uh, wars and things along those lines? What are they saying about us? Well, Roland, they're looking at us with dismay and, and disbelief. They can't believe how far we've fallen so fast. And the coronavirus, which, you know, in normal times, the expectation would be that America would be doing among the best in the world in confronting a pandemic and being of assistance to other countries that have less, that are wrestling with far less uh, developed healthcare systems and structures. Being a leader in, in stamping out the pandemic around the world. 
as we tried to do, for example, in 2014, a different scenario, but with the Ebola epidemic. Um, that is our traditional role, rallying the world to deal with a problem effectively and not letting it get out of control here at home. Uh, in this instance, under President Trump, we've done absolutely the op opposite. We've withdrawn from the global stage. We've, we've taken our marbles and gone home from the World Health Organization, precisely the instrument that is needed to help uh, coordinate assistance to the world's most needy countries. And we have utterly failed and set the worst possible example for how to deal with this virus here at home. Uh, the highest infection rates, the, the, the largest numbers of deaths, uh, and it's due to incompetence, dishonesty, a failure to follow the science, and increasingly willful neglect. I mean, when the president is telling students and our children and their teachers and the staff of schools that he doesn't care about their health, he cares about his reelection, and he views all of this through a political prism, that's when you know that we're in deep, deep trouble. Uh, and we truly are. And the world can see that. And they are just hoping that we have the sense to bring sanity back to the White House in 2021. Your book is called Tough Love. Here we go. It's show Tough Love, My Story of the Things Worth Fighting For. If you were sitting in front of a group of red hat wearing MAGA people, what tough love would you give them to say, why they should not vote for this man again to be given four more years? Well, look, we need leadership that recognizes fundamentally that at the end of the day, we're all Americans. And we sink or swim in this country between our shores together. Right now, we're sinking. But we don't have to allow that to be the case. Americans of every political persuasion are dying. Americans of every political persuasion are losing their jobs. And what we need is leadership that puts the national interest in the interest of Americans first, regardless of where they live, regardless of how they vote, regardless of what they look like or who they worship or who they love. And we're not getting that right now. We're getting leadership that is choosing to put political self-interest above the livelihoods of all people, regardless of their political background. You know, the president goes to Oklahoma, the heart of red America, and holds a rally without social distancing, knowing that the consequence is going to be death. Now the governor of Oklahoma has COVID, and the rate of infection has spiked in the weeks since the president was there. So how is that helping anybody? And everybody with any sense understands that as long as the infections are raging, we can't sustainably reopen our economy. We can't put people back to work, which is what we all want to do. We all want to send our kids back to school. That's not a red issue or a blue issue. We're Americans. We want to educate our kids. We want them to be safe and have the opportunity to learn. And yet, because of this president, who puts himself above everything else, that's not being, uh, it's not been possible. And he's going out of his way to rush through, deny the severity of the disease, pressure school districts, and pressure politicians to follow his deadly lead. And we cannot afford that. None of us can. When we think about um, 
America's standing internationally. Um, the world has always looked to this nation to be a moral leader. Not always been the case. We've been that. Um, what, let's say Trump loses in November. What's the first thing that a Joe Biden administration has to do to let the world know that that's now in our past and this is what we have to do moving forward? Well, Roland, uh, let me answer that, but let me just put the answer in context. Mm -hmm. I think Americans need to understand that it's not a matter of simply flipping a switch and everything goes, you know, back to a place where our leadership right. is immediately embraced and all is forgotten. Uh, a huge amount of damage has been done. Mm -hmm. Trust has been broken. People can no longer believe the word of the president of the United States on matters large and small. Uh, everything is a transaction. Our allies are treated like adversaries. Our adversaries are embraced like, um, you know, family members. It's absolutely upside down. And so as Americans, we need to understand that the first thing we must do is vote for change. And voting for Joe Biden, who has enormous experience, great relationships, the trust and the confidence of the most important uh, partners we have on, on the global stage is a critical and absolutely necessary first step. But we will have great work to do over the course of a next administration. And it's not going to all be done in four years, maybe not even in eight years, because Roland, understand that these very countries, particularly our closest partners, our allies in, in Europe, in Asia, and elsewhere, no longer can be confident that what we just did over the last four years can't possibly happen again. They have to fear that, you know, that, that it's conceivable that we could come back to a place like this. So their trust will come back, but it will come back slowly and it will need to be rebuilt with tangible action. So the first thing that Joe Biden should do uh, as he enters the White House, uh, knock on wood, uh, in January 2021, is to reach out to our closest allies and, and neighbors, Canada, Mexico, our European partners, our partners in, in Asia, Australia, Japan, South Korea, and say to them, look, we understand that what has transpired has not been helpful. It hasn't been a partnership based on mutual interest and shared values and mutual respect. It's been bullying and transactional and based on falsehood. That is all going to change. We are back. We honor our alliance commitments. We understand that this is not a protection racket and it's not solely about dollars and cents. It's about our mutual interests and our shared security. And we will be here with you. And then we're going to have to take steps, concrete steps, that demonstrate that commitment. So, for example, we pulled out of the Paris Climate Agreement unilaterally uh, after we had negotiated it. We have to go back. Uh, we uh, pulled out of um, various other important agreements, like the Iran deal. We have to take a new look at that. Um, but most importantly, we need to be clear with our allies that at the end of the day, they are what matters most to us, because our strength in the world is a function of those alliance relationships. And so, you know, President Trump recently said we're pulling a third of our forces out of Germany. 
unilaterally, without ever consulting with the German government, reversing that step and many others like it is the kind of concrete thing Joe Biden will need to do on day one, rejoining the World Health Organization, as he said he'll do on day one. That's the sort of thing that signals that we are really back and we mean it. In your book, uh, Tough Love, here we go to my iPad, um, you write about that last day, uh, last day um, as national security advisor. You lay out the things that you had to de deal with. And one of the things you said, uh, I have had to spend many hours on additional tasks briefing my successor as National Security Advisor, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. That case is completely unraveled. You see what, what, deal, what the Attorney General William Barr did. And as somebody who served in that position, as somebody who was ambassador to the United Nations, um, to watch that and then watch how the DOJ operated and to watch how Donald Trump celebrated that and then say, oh, sure, I would hire this person again. I mean, you write about these are positions of public trust. The public has to trust people like you, that you will be you, you will do things in the best interest of the nation and not personally. Of course. And, you know, I, I don't want to get into the specifics of, uh, of Michael Flynn and, and his circumstances. But the bottom line is that we need the best and the most committed people of integrity and experience in these critical roles. And that is something that I can promise you Joe Biden will bring. Uh, he will bring those that care deeply about this country who are not in it for personal, financial, or other form of gain that are there to do the job that the American people trust and expect them to do. And we've time and again seen too often in the Trump administration, people signing up for who, who aren't qualified, uh, who uh, don't deserve the public trust, and uh, who fail to deliver, and uh, whose only motivation is to be acolytes to Donald Trump as he destroys the fabric of our democracy and the integrity of our government. Um, and so that it urgently needs to change. You also talked about that last day, writing a particular memo that has been the subject of lots of conversation, uh, assessing Russian activities and intentions in recent news elections. We have less than 120 days. Uh, are you still concerned that Russia will try to impact this election? And does it bother you that pretty much our nation in terms of leaders. Mitch McConnell didn't, didn't move on a particular bill to fortify the elections. Trump doesn't care that even with all this evidence, their whole deal is like, eh, we're fine, we're good. Yes, Roland, I'm deeply worried about it. Uh, Russia has not stopped for a minute trying to undermine and weaken our democracy. It did, it interfered, uh, to assist Donald Trump in 2016. Um, but it has been active every day since uh, that election, um, including in the two, but just on, you know, every, every, every average day, trying to deepen the divisions that exist in American society and pit Americans against each other, causing us to distrust and hate each other and not believe in the uh, integrity of our democratic institutions. The Russian objective is to discredit democracy and weaken the United States. And it can accomplish that goal 
if it gets on the internet as it does every day and argues thoughts uh, on every side of every divisive issue, whether it's race or guns or immigration or gay rights, and they're out there spinning truths and falsehoods to divide us. Um, and that is a very serious threat. And that will translate into the same kinds of misinformation, suppression of voter uh, interest, and, and selling of lies and, and, and discredited theories that they did in 2016. I fully expect that in this year, in 2020. And Americans need to be prepared. And yes, it's a travesty that Mitch McConnell and Senate Republicans refuse to enact legislation that's been sitting on their floor uh, for months to shore up the integrity of our elections and make it much more difficult for Russia or any other foreign player uh, to do what it seeks to do. They won't provide the funding. They won't pass the, the, the legislation that would protect our elections. And the only explanation that, that, that one rationally can come up with is because they are prepared to welcome that assistance from Russia and other adversaries as long as they feel it's beneficial to them, again. A couple of questions about Africa. Here we're now, we are dealing with seven of the 10 fastest growing economies are African nations. Um, the population growth uh, from the motherland as well. China, significant investment in African nations. Um, has this nation dropped the ball in terms of not recognizing what that future could look like? Have we done enough to stand with African nations, to help them economically, to work with them? Can we do more? Yes, we absolutely can do more and we should do more. And Roland, we should view this opportunity uh, to be better partners with Africa as not a matter of charity or humanitarian assistance, even though there's good motive in doing that. It's in our national interest to have partners in Africa that are growing, that are prospering, that are providing greater freedoms and greater uh, benefits to their peoples. Africa is a vast continent of enormous talent, extraordinary resources, and great potential. Uh, and if we are absent or disinterested or under-resourced in our efforts to engage in Africa, we are missing an opportunity. We're missing economic opportunities, we're missing market opportunities, but most importantly, we're missing an opportunity to, uh, to, to grow with uh, the talent and the potential of uh, an extraordinary uh, collection of peoples on that continent. And, you know, there's much we should be doing. We should be promoting uh, peace and conflict resolution. We should be shoring up democracy and, and respect for human rights. We should be opening our markets further to African goods and spurring investment from the United States in Africa, uh, providing uh, more in the way of political risk insurance. There, We do some of these things, at more or less, depending on the administration. Uh, we should be you know, investing in, in, in bringing electrification to parts of Africa, training and supporting the development of, of youth and talent and education, agricultural resources, health and, and, and trying to improve healthcare infrastructure in Africa, all of these things. And yet, you know, in, in recent years in particular, I think much of our engagement with Africa has been viewed primarily through the prism of competition with China, 
which is necessary but far from sufficient. And as a result, uh, we have really scaled back our vision and our ambition for what the U.S.-Africa relationship can be. You are on Vice President Biden's shortlist to be his VP nominee. Um, most of the folks, obviously, who are being considered are not necessarily talking about it. Our audience, mostly African-Americans, got a lot of white fans as well, so we certainly appreciate that. Um, what, would you, what would you say to black America um, if Susan Rice becomes a nominee? What would you say why, why that matters and what you bring that's important? Well, Roland, first of all, I, I have to say it, it is really humbling and an honor to be among those uh, reportedly being considered for the vice presidency by Joe Biden. And he has an extraordinary list of women, uh, any of whom I think would do a, a great job in that role. And I think it's going to be very hard for him to go wrong. So uh, everybody brings a different set of skills, experiences, and talents, um, and, and they're all exceptional. My experience and what I would bring uh, to uh, a partnership with Joe Biden on behalf of the country is my years of experience at senior levels in the executive branch. Um, for over 15 years, uh, and almost two decades, I've worked in the White House and in the State Department and at the United Nations um, in the, the top uh, tiers of um, our, uh, our federal government. And when I was national security advisor, I was responsible for chairing and coordinating the cabinet-level committee of agencies that had to deal with every crisis that fell on our place, plate, whether it was the rise of ISIS uh, or uh, the Ebola epidemic and everything in between. So what I know is how to make decisions to forge uh, policy out of uh, different agencies with different budgets and different interests and constraints, how to get stuff done. And in a moment when uh, the next president will inherit, assuming it's Joe Biden, a pandemic, an economic recession, a racial justice movement that needs to be fulfilled, and uh, as we've discussed, our plummeting leadership role in the world, the need to have the government firing on all cylinders and being able to address those multiple simultaneous challenges is greater than ever. So um, my experience is, is in getting things done at the highest levels of government. I understand national security, foreign policy, diplomacy, obviously intimately, but I also understand many of the domestic issues that uh, will inevitably arise. Um, and I would be honored to be able to assist Joe Biden in whatever capacity he thinks that, that I can best serve. You mentioned the, uh, and, mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. No, you mentioned the issue of racial justice. Um, that is going to be a significant um, domestic agenda. Um, I, I have argued that in this moment of the reckoning, we're really operating in what I call the third reconstruction. And so we're seeing these changes. We're seeing, I mean, it's been nine weeks since the death of George Floyd, and we've seen significant amounts of change. But really to deal with the inequality in this country, it is going to take massive reinvestment by this country. 
a massive plan, some call, you know, an urban uh, Marshall Plan, if you will, to deal with these difficult challenges. Um, have you thought about that and how major that needs to be and to keep people focused on that? The first reconstruction lasted 12 years. The second one lasted 14 years. I mean, this is something that's not going to just... Uh, one bill, here you go, we're good. This, there's going to have to be a real commitment, or as Dr. King wrote in Chaos of Community, where do we go from here? He said, it's a check America's going to have to write that it has never really wanted to write before. Well, Roland, I've thought a lot about it, um, as, as many of us have. And, you know, to me, we've had this extraordinary movement um, following the, the tragic murder of George Floyd. And thus far, that movement has really resulted concretely only in some flags and some statues being retired. And that's not nearly enough. That is, that is in my judgment, uh, a missing of this moment, um, as gratifying as it may be to see the Confederate flag come, out, come down from the State House in Mississippi or from NASCAR. That's not what this is about. Systemic racism in my judgment, requires systemic reform. And uh, whether you call it a third uh, reconstruction or a new New Deal or whatever the terminology you prefer, to me, we need a president like Joe Biden in the White House with the commitment and the vision and the passion to address these systemic requirements. And we need change in the Senate and sustaining the House, because without all three, we're not going to get this done. Look at the Justice in Policing Act, the George Floyd Act, good piece of legislation passed by the House. Do you think Mitch McConnell's going to let that thing go anywhere in any recognizable form in the Senate? No. And there's nothing radical or ridiculous or, you know, uh, even um, aggressive in that legislation. Um, so that's, that's emblematic of the problem. And to address this moment with a movement worthy of it and results that reflect that movement, we're going to need uh, a, a sustained package of legislation mm -hmm. that deals with all of the inequities from you know, the lack of jobs and economic opportunity to health care, to education, to housing, to the environments that we live in that are killing us, all of these things are going to have to come together. Um, and we, we need to implement them in a way that recognizes that they are born of a historic and systemic uh, inequality and racism, but that also brings along all Americans, because it's not only us as much as this moment has been about African Americans. We also have to be mindful of how systematic reform can lift up all of us and reduce the disparities that have become so glaring uh, in our society. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Folks, Susan Rice, the book is called Tough Love, My Story of the Things Worth Fighting For. Glad to have you on the show. Look forward to you coming back. Great to be with you, Roland. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right, folks, let's go to uh, my panelists, Derek Holly and Rob Richardson. Uh, Rob, I'll start with you. She's on the short list. Your thoughts. What do you think? Well, well, I mean, she'd be a she'd be a great pick. I, I think she has a firm understanding of how, of of the moment. Uh, she served under President Barack Obama, and uh, she understands the urgency of this moment. Like there has to be a real bold commitment to the black community in particular, um, and then our whole nation. You look at what has to be done. We have to invest. I, I really like the way you talk about a third reconstruction. You know, right before the reconstruction, uh, some of the most progress we've ever made in in this nation. 
This is when we got uh, basically the train system. This is when we got uh, uh, land grant colleges. This was this is when the South, you know, decided to get out of the Union. And during that time, we got a lot of things to move forward. That's just a fact. And so. Uh, what, what we're going to need is an investment in a 21st century infrastructure plan, one that invests not only in roads and bridges, but actually broadband. We're seeing that our kids don't have the resources that they need in this in this uh, post-COVID-19 world. And, and uh, you know, COVID-19 operated uh, as a short-term disruptor, but a long-term accelerator. It is accelerating the, the, the inequalities that are already built in. So we need to make investments in our infrastructure like broadband, not only to help schools, but to help help our businesses. Like if, if you don't have high quality access to high quality uh, broadband, you're not going to be able to do business. You can't do that. You can't do you can't you can't hardly do business now. Everybody does business and networking now by what? By Zoom. If you don't have if you don't have if you don't have something quality, Zoom, Skype, you're not going to be able to do business. So we have to really reimagine and have bold leadership because we've had no leadership in this White House. Derek Holly. Yes, Roland. Your assessment. The systemic racism that exists your, in this country. Your assessment of Susan Rice in terms of yeah. her potentially the being a v- VP nominee. This country has come from both Democrats and Republicans. Yeah, the operative word is white. There you go. I don't disagree. And to think There's that no this one there. white man, Joe Biden, is going to pull America together and get rid of all that's been going on, I think it would be foolish on anybody's part. And I think we need to take the politics out of it, Democrat and Republican, in order to fix it. That's the only way it can be fixed in terms of what's going on in this country between with, with black people right now, because it was brought on by white people who are both Democrats and Republicans. Right, which is which is why I said to her that this is not going to be just one bill, okay, it's all done. I said the first re- reconstruction was 12 years. The second one was 14 years. We have to look at this in order to deal with the issue you have to be thinking in terms of 10, 20, 30 years, yep. ma- massive reinvestment, not just politically, but also when you talk about foundations, when you talk about corporate. That's why when the conversations that I've had with people, I'm not just interested in this $5 million or $10 million uh, grant. I'm like, no, I'm talking about the creation of one to $10 billion funds to be able to deal with this. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I agree. And I would just I, say, I would just say Rob, hold on, hold on, Derek, then Rob. Derek, go. I was going to say, Rob, you know, you talked about having broadband and bringing all these services to, to underserviced, underprivileged communities. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I was on a call on Monday or Tuesday. I sat on about two and a half hours. It was with our school board in terms of opening school for my son who's got to go back. And so, and they had obviously distant learning, but there was a 1B, a B part to that. And they wanted kids who were disadvantaged, who had special needs to come back to school to get face-to-face three to four days a week. Okay. Well, everybody fought against that. Everybody fought against that because it's like, we want, we gotta do distant learning, distant learning. But meanwhile, we got these same kids who don't have broadband, who don't have internet, continue to fall behind. And that's a problem. Rob, go yeah, ahead. It, is, it, it definitely is a problem. And I, and all these people that are just so, I'm not saying this to Derek, but I hear a lot of conservatives out there saying they want kids back, but they're not supporting funding. They don't support funding for schools. Like, stay, take several seats if you're not actually supporting funding because because you're not really trying to solve the problem. Second part I will say is that the uh, I agree with you that the problem is bipartisan when it comes to racism, that it's structural. What I will say at this moment is, though, there has to be a total rejection of Trumpism. He is a symptom but he is now taking something, and he's he's been the leader of uh, of trying to divide along race, of trying to embrace white supremacy, Got of it. trying to make it okay 
to embrace, I mean, Nazism Got and it. things like that. He's done these things. So, like, that has to be rejected outright wholly, not not necessarily to elect Democrats, but to show a message that this is not who America is to move forward. Otherwise, they're going to continue to use these methods. So that has to be done for All that right. reason. So in order to have advancement, we need to reject the current environment that is Trumpism. It's not even Republican. I'm going to call it Trumpism, racism. They're, they're, they're using it more than anybody ever has. And we need to say that that's, there is no place for that in America. All right, that folks. message has to be said loud, loud and clear. Our next story, the murder of Rayshard Brooks by Garrett Roth is an ongoing case. And the Fulton County District Attorney, Paul Howard, is dealing with that, as well as his runoff election for the Democratic nomination. A uh, number of challenges he faces. Also, the decision to, uh, of course, charge uh, cops uh, who, who uh, attacked those two students uh, when, you, of course, you had uh, the, uh, the, the, the protests. Paul Howard joins us right now, Fulton County DA. Glad to have him back on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Sir, how you doing? Doing great, Roland. Glad to see you and really honored to be on the program with Susan Rice. Uh, indeed, indeed. And we also, uh, well, we'll start this first before we even get into these other cases. You're there, you're there in Atlanta. Today we lost an absolute legend, Lion, in Reverend C.T. Vivian. Yes, we did. Uh, I spoke with uh, Ambassador Young earlier during the day, and uh, what he said is, uh, uh, you know, he hopes to get to be 96 himself. Uh, but it's a great loss. He was a great uh, friend. Uh, he has done so much for our community. He's the kind of person that can never be replaced. And uh, and all of us are just sad uh, with his passing. Uh, and we, we're going to, just for all the folks who are watching right now, uh, we're going to be paying tribute to him. We have a number of people who are lined up in addition, and then we're going to be playing the one-hour interview that I did with him that's absolutely amazing uh, because that's the kind of guy that he was. Uh, D. Howard, let me ask you this here. I, it, it, is, it has been absolutely stunning to listen to all of these police who are now angry. The police commissioner in New York says, we've gone too far. We've taken tools away from cops, which I'm trying to figure out what was taken away. What, banning, banning chokeholds? In Atlanta, all these police officers who were upset because cops were fired in the case where, where you charged them as well. As, as a district attorney, um, how does, look, you have to deal with police. You, you got cases there. But to me, what offends me as a citizen is this whole notion that the moment a district attorney holds a police officer accountable, the entire police force says, the hell with you, that's wrong what you did, and so we're, and then we're, we're going to go after you. It is if they cannot be held accountable by anybody. That's, that's bothersome. Yeah, and, and Roland, let me tell you, I, I believe that's the reason uh, that what we see in this country is a continuous role of African-American men and women and other minorities being killed by the police because in many ways the police departments are accepting the conduct. They are encouraging the conduct. And uh, I believe that one of the things that uh, we have not done as a country is made a full inspection of police unions. And as you know, the police unions are, are very and a very important part of the very kind of culture that you're talking about. That's what we've seen in Atlanta. Uh, as soon as we prosecuted the first police officer in 2002, we heard the same refrain, uh, Mr. Howard, you made a rush to judgment. Mr. Howard, what you're doing is political. 
and we've heard it ever since. And this is what this is what you hear all over the country. But I am glad now that the young people are stepping forward, and what they're saying is, we are not going to continue to put up with this system. And and when you look at the protest, and when you look at what's been happening in the streets, when you look at all of a sudden, uh, when people talk about defund the police, they're, they're not saying we're going to just get rid of police departments and fire everybody. What they're saying is shift resources. Everything in the country can't be solved by law enforcement, just like you're the DA. Uh, everything can't be solved by throwing somebody in jail. That's why you have options in terms of uh, uh, whether it's counseling, whether it's rehab, whether it's community service. At some point, this nation has to get out of law and order, throw them away, lock up the key, because you can't afford it. Well, I think, Roland, already what you've seen is the Republican Party, they've already hijacked the use of the term defund the police department. What people in our communities are talking about, they're not just talking about stripping money away from the police randomly, but what they are saying is the police need standards. They need goals that they have to meet, just like you and I have to meet goals. I think that one of those standards that should be set is that the police should not kill citizens. Suppose we said that in order for you to receive your funding, you have to not kill people. There are many other conditions that we can set for policemen, and if they don't reach those conditions, then I think their funding should be affected. One of the things that we can do, particularly with the uh, this continuous killing of black and minorities, suppose we said to the policemen that at the end of the year, all of you guys received a 5% raise if you just didn't kill anybody. So th this is an opportunity for us to get really creative. But wow, I, 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 I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard that one before, yes. You got to be creative. And, and what people are talking about, they're not just talking about you know, throwing policemen out of their communities, uh, helter-skelter. But what people are talking about is restructuring the way that they're funding so that it forces the police to uh, adopt new standards for them to police differently, to make sure that it's constitutional, that it's nonviolent, and that funding mechanism is an important way of getting it done. We have seen also a serious attack on progressive prosecutors. Uh, Donald Trump has been very clear. Bill Barr has been clear. Peace sessions before him. Uh, there are people, and especially black district attorneys. We're seeing an increase in those numbers. Uh, I mean, I remember when, when you talk about black DAs, I remember when Craig Watkins became the first black DA ever in the history of, uh, of Texas, and now Dallas County has had two consecutive black uh, DAs. Um, that's something that people are not paying attention to. Um, have you have you thought about that? Have you have you uh, talked about that with your fellow black DAs across the country? Uh, how there is there there is this target on the back of progressive black DAs or black DAs period uh, who don't want to operate as the way other DAs used to in the past, where essentially they were completely so pro law enforcement that. The community did not trust they could ever uh, really hold law enforcement accountable. 
Well, we've talked about it quite a bit uh, because what you've described is a reality. Uh, there's been a effort to intimidate the DAs. You know what happened with Marilyn Mosby uh, in Baltimore when she decided to file arrest warrants and, and indict police officers for killing Freddie Gray. If you look at the DA in St. Louis, who has just been almost uh, been not been able to perform her duties. Kim Gardner. Uh, Kim Gardner. Kim Gardner having to file lawsuits. And, and people don't realize, Roland, that uh, in, in retaliation, most of her staff now has joined the police union. I mean, just imagine uh, being the district attorney and, and that consequence taking place. Uh, we know about the DA in Orlando, Florida, who is uh, the governor tried to remove her from handling death penalty and murder cases. So this is something that's been going on over the whole country. And now what people are talking about, let's just remove these guys. Uh, Reverend Sharpton uh, mentioned, I, I was on his show last week, and what he said to me is, is that you have become the poster child uh, for the Republican Party used to intimidate other DAs. And what they want to say is, we don't want you to prosecute policemen. We don't want you to talk about reform, because if you do, we're going to get rid of you. Question, Derek Holly. your question for Paul Howard. Um, my question is, um, when you talk about, a couple weeks ago we was on Roland's show and we had talked about Tim Scott's uh, bill that he had introduced in terms of police reform. And in his bill, he had mentioned a lot of the things that you were talking about in terms of incentives for the states in order for them to, in order for these police departments to change what they were supposed to do, they would have to, they wouldn't receive funding unless they adhere to some of these standards. So what I'm, I think what I'm hearing you say is that you would be in agreement with police reform as long as it, and, and if it was dictated by funding that came federally to these different states. Am I, is that what I'm? Yeah, absolutely. Could you imagine if somebody hired you as uh, the bodyguard or your family, and while you were the bodyguard, you happened to kill two or three of your family members. I think one of the first things that people would say is, hey, I can't pay you your salary until you stop killing my family members that I paid you to guard in the first place. I believe it's a very, uh, a, a, a way that we can now start conversations, but we can also start to require policemen to follow a certain conduct because we can make it a contractual arrangement uh, based upon funding. And if you don't meet certain goals and certain standards, then that funding would be reduced based upon the failure to reach those standards. I, I like that, D.A. Uh, uh, Howard. I like that a lot. Rob, your question for D.A. Paul Howard. Yeah, uh, by the way, thank you for all that you do. I would say, you know, I want to follow up with what Derek said, because I think there's, there's some difference here. Um, I believe you were saying it's much more effective to make sure that we hold police unions and police accountable to to get rid of qualified immunity so you can be held accountable uh, for the actions that you do. Because uh, because th that's really the argument at the federal level. I want to say that's, you know, most of the most of the funding that, that happens happens at the state level. So two is that so one from the from the federal level, I, do you agree that it's more much more effective and how you really are going to be able to move the ball? If you require, if you if you get rid of qualified immunity, you make that clear. If you kill somebody, you go you go over the line. You don't have to. You're not going to. You're no longer going to have protection of the state just to do that. Second, 
What do you think we need to do at the local level? It sounds like to, to I mean, do we need to push harder on the uh, on the contractual level specifically? Like, what are some things we have to go after? In three, uh, how do you think we should frame the narrative? I think defund the police is the wrong narrative to say because it's so easy to go after. What should the narrative be in terms of how we how we're framing what we're trying to do? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, you know we need to look at the local funding. That's where the funding comes from most police departments. Uh, I believe there are about 18,000 of them here in the United States. Uh, their funding doesn't derive principally from the federal government. And so if you're going to make uh, substantial changes, it has to be done uh, locally. I think a better term that we might use rather than defunding is restructuring. Um, uh, similar to what was done in Camden, New Jersey, they restructured the police department. And I think that's the, the, the appropriate term to use in this situation. Uh, one of the things that I, I think that we need to start talking about is to present some permanent changes in our country. And, and so, Roland, I'm hoping that you'll invite me back uh, so we can talk about, uh, I put together nine separate changes that we need to make in this country. Uh, I've worked with Kim Worthy, who is the DA in uh, Wayne County, an outstanding prosecutor. And, and what we want to talk about are some things that if Joe Biden is the new president, when he takes office on January the 21st, he ought to start by making some changes uh, with respect to policing in America, uh, because we can't just keep telling people that I'm for you. We need some permanent statutory and policy change. Well, absolutely. We'll certainly look forward to having you back to talk about uh, and have that conversation. Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. And, uh, and again, I appreciate being on the same program with Susan Rice. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, sir. Folks, got to go. Let me uh, first of all thank uh, Derek and Rob for being on our panel today. I certainly appreciate uh, both of you. In fact, let's just do this here. Before I let both of you go, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to, you know what? I'll hold that. Y'all stay right there. Let me go to the commercial break. We come back. We'll celebrate the life and legacy of Reverend Dr. C.T. Vivian. Folks, we've got an amazing lineup of people. Diane Nash, Ambassador Andrew Young, Harry Belafonte, so many others to share their thoughts and reflections about one of our civil rights lions, Reverend, Reverend C.T. Vivian. That is next on Roland Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. was not a large man. He was a small man, very thin, 
but man, was he one tough SOB. Many of us deeply saddened today to hear of the passing of civil rights legend, Reverend Dr. C.T. Vivian. It is um, it's very hard for us to uh, have to report this story. Lived an amazing life, dying of natural causes at his Atlanta home. Uh, Cordy Tyndale Vivian uh, always had an absolute great smile on his face uh, from ear to ear. But man, was he tough as he battled and, and faced down Jim Crow. Uh, just an amazing, amazing man. He worked alongside Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He participated in Freedom Rides. In 1947, he participated in his first nonviolent protest, a lunch counter sit-in in Peoria, Illinois. He was one of the founders of the Nashville Christian Leadership Conference and affiliate of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. In 1965, Vivian became the director of national affiliates for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference when he led a group of people to register to vote in Selma, Alabama. He has done so much and left a legacy in his mark on the country. President Barack Obama awarded Vivian the highest civilian honor from the nation, the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2013. This was that ceremony. Reverend C.T. Vivian. Equipped only with courage and an overwhelming commitment to social justice, the Reverend C.T. Vivian was a stalwart activist on the march toward racial equality. Whether at a lunch counter, on a freedom ride, or behind the bars of a prison cell, he was unafraid to take bold action in the face of fierce resistance. By pushing change through nonviolent demonstration and advocacy, C.T. Vivian established and led numerous organizations to support underserved individuals and communities. His legacy of combating injustice will shine as an example for generations to come. Joining us right now to pay tribute to his longtime friend and colleague is Ambassador Andrew Young. Ambassador Young? How you doing? Man, it's always good to talk with uh, my frat brother. We lost uh, a good brother in the civil rights, a good alpha. Uh, and I said at the top, C.T. Vivian was a tough SOB. He was, but he had one of the biggest hearts and biggest brains and smallest egos in the civil rights movement. <laughs> and the, the, you know, he, mm -hmm. he, he just, he was selfless. Uh, and uh, he never did anything to promote himself. He was always mindful of the needs of others and the cause that he had devoted his entire life to. You know, I, I just counted up that he started in 1947. That was, uh, you know, eight years before Rosa Parks mm. was And he went to Nashville somewhere around 1960 and started working with the Nashville sit-in movement when he was actually 
an employee of the uh, Baptist Publishing House, the Na the National Baptist Baptist Publishing Company, and that's where I first met him mm -hmm. about 1960 in Nashville. The thing that um, I had a chance to sit down with him in 2017. Every time we would, I would go to events. I would see him. Would definitely uh, give a hug. He was so uh, appreciative, uh, and I, I would always just thank him, thank him for his work. And um, when y'all were in Saint Augustine, when man, y'all caught hell there. He was right there. He was, and uh, he stayed there <laughs> to the end. <laughs> And it, it that was really the bloodiest and most brutal movement that I was in, or that I know about. Now that doesn't count to sit the, the freedom rides, uh, but uh, the freedom ride it went on in St. Augustine for almost two weeks, every day, and people just confronted the Klan, confronted the Klan. What we didn't know then that we learned later on was. The sheriff deputized the Ku Klux Klan uh, to try to keep us down. Well, if one of the things that was interesting, and, and for our viewers, you're going to be able to see this later when you see my interview with him, Ambassador Young. He talked about there being uh, where y'all went to um, Integrated Beach, and this cop jumps on his back and drags him underwater, and he said his first thought, he just thought laughing. He's like, well, if I'm gonna go to go to the Lord, might as well go now. And just and that, that didn't happen. But he he said literally his first he just started laughing. I said, are you serious? He's like, yeah. And then he said he said he he said look he made it clear the moment he said the moment he started in this fight he said I am prepared to die for yep. for the freedom of black people. No, and he was. And he, but he, he was consistent for seventy some years. Mm -hmm. and he just weakened about two weeks ago. Uh, he has been active, um, mentoring young people in his uh, CT Vivian Institute. Yep. And and he, you know, CT was the kind of fellow that stayed in shape too. He he and Jimmy Carter are the only two people I know that are the same were the same weight in '95 <laughs> as they were when they graduated from college. <laughs> You're absolutely right because he, he you and I can't make that. Statement. No 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 you, you and I can't make that statement. No uh, we we enjoy gumbo too much. Uh, uh, he he used to go to Morris Brown on his way home from work uh, from the office and run up and down the steps to stay in shape in the stadium and um, he he never lost his his mental acuity and he read constantly and and was just and 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 was a loving faithful husband and had some great children well, he absolutely um, just an unbelievable man. Uh, I, and you're right. A, I would go to events and CT was moving fast. He was walking. He was he was full of energy. Uh, and he said, I'm going to keep on going till I can't go anymore. That's right. 
Ambassador Andrew Young, um, it's always great to talk with you. Uh, I hate that a lot of times under these circumstances, unfortunately, with coronavirus, uh, we can't have our usual homegoing services, you know, when Reverend Lowry passed and others. Uh, but uh, at least with uh, modern day media, with digital, we get a chance to celebrate folks like Reverend C.T. Vivian and share the memories and a whole new generation can truly learn about great figures like himself, uh, you and others. Very good. And we don't die. We just move on to another era. There you go. Great words. Ambassador Young, tell your wife hello. And, and, and Joe Lowry and Jose Williams are still with us because we still call it their name. That's right. That's right. We are. Okay. Tell your wife hello, sir. God bless you. All right, brother, take care. Um, folks, um, Bernard Lafayette uh, worked in the civil rights movement. He's a human rights activist, co-founder of SNCC. Bernard, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. Brother, always good to see you and talk with you. Um, we truly lost a warrior in Reverend C.T. Vivian. Yes, this is absolutely true. And um, we had a special relationship because our birthday is only one day apart. And I've already bought his birthday card for July 30th. Mm. But we had a special relationship because we love to do things together. Actually, uh, CT, when I met him as a student at the American Baptist College in Nashville, Tennessee, he used to substitute for Reverend Kelly Miller Smith, senior, as a homiletics professor. So C.T. was teaching, preaching, in other words. And when Kelly Miller Smith was not available, uh, he did do that. And when you had uh, the uh, sit-ins, uh, we looked around at the, our student body, and there was John Lewis and Jim Bevel and C.T. Vivian, and we all were right there. Uh, together. It was just, um, couldn't be a coincidence. It was by divine providence that we were all right there together, and John Lewis. And so um, we started learning about the movement with Jim Lawson teaching courses and stuff like that. And CT, with all of his experience and background, how is it that you could be in jail with your professor? <laughs> there we were. Mm -hmm. On the Freedom Rides, we were in jail. We were cellmates, in fact, on the Freedom Rides. And one of the things we had in common is that we had a special relationship where we would do puns. And I never forget there in the city jail in Jackson, Mississippi, CT and I were cellmates, and we just uh, had a ball. And I learned so much. We were still in school. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. But, but 24 hours we were in school because our professors were there with us. So we actually had classes. And students who were majoring in different things, they would actually set up classes. So we didn't just sit around doing time, wasting time, we were really busy, but um, the uh, 
things that I remember about CT and I used to do puns. And we were doing puns in jail. We were cellmates. And the jailer came up and uh, tried to uh, get us to come out. And CT turned around and looked at him. He said, uh, we have to finish these puns first. Of course, the jailer didn't know what a pun was. So he didn't, he didn't know what that was. So he backed off and waited until we finished our puns. And then we went to uh, our trial. But I had many opportunities. CT and I used to have lunch together. He used to like to have soup over at six feet under there in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> and we used to look out of the window while we were eating our, you know, lunch. And across from the restaurant, six feet under, was a graveyard. And we never missed the opportunity to look at the graveyard while we were eating at six feet under. So we had that uh, ongoing relationship. Uh, the uh, friends who worked with like Don Rivers and people like that used to bring CT to the restaurant. So we had an opportunity to eat with uh, him and my wife, uh, Kate Lafayette, who's from Tuskegee. So we actually, um, had that kind of relationship and opportunity to share with each other all along. Several things I admired by CT. One is that his way of teaching people was by example, not just giving lectures as professors often do, but by example, his actions taught us more than his words. But he had some very powerful words. In fact, he was very musical when he talked. It was a song that he was singing. And the profound ideas and thoughts that he gave helped everybody. And when he was beaten by Jim Clark, Yes, on the steps of the courthouse. You need to play that video as we speak. Go ahead. That one of the lessons that he taught people was that you have to learn how to come back. Even when you are attacked, you come back. Even when you are nonviolent and you have to face violence, you don't reciprocate with violence. You come back with nonviolence. And this is what C.T. did. And that's how he taught us by his comeback. No matter what you believe in, when you are challenged, you don't abandon your goals. You don't abandon your methodology. You don't abandon your philosophy. And this is the way C.T. taught us. Mm -hmm. to come back. And uh, I never will separate from CT. As Andrew Young said, mm -hmm. yes, we will always be together, the oneness there. 
and we hear CT's voice and we know what it means because his voice and his sermons were echoes from heaven without a word. Bernard Lafayette, human rights activist. Brother, always good to see you. We appreciate you sharing your thoughts and reflections about your dear friend, Reverend Dr. C.T. Vivian. Thank you. Thank you very much. Joining us right now is folks, someone who worked alongside Reverend Vivian, Diane Nash. Diane, how you doing? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Um, under the circumstances, um, it's a sad day, but other than that, I'm doing well. Well, it is always good to talk with 
Thank you, in, Indeed. It is always great to hear your voice. Uh, you, uh, another one of our lions, uh, somebody who uh, has never been afraid to stand up for what's right. I started off by saying C.T. Vivian, man, he was one tough SOB. Uh, we showed that video. He got punched by Jim Clark. He did not He did not walk away, and he stayed there resolute with conviction. Just your uh, favorite thoughts and memories about uh, C.T. Okay. Um, first of all, I want to tell you, though, you, you said I wasn't afraid. I was constantly. <laughs> I just did, did what had to be done. But um, I, I was I was very afraid. But um, speaking, I am so fortunate and so blessed to have had him as not only a uh, co-worker in the civil rights movement, but also as a friend for all my adult life. Really, um, I I could called him up when I had a problem and and he was always ready to listen and always had uh, sage advice. But I met him in Nashville. I was a student at Fisk University and um, he was at the American Baptist Seminary. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we met at Jim Lawson's workshop. Lawson had been to India and had studied Gandhi's movement firsthand, and he was in Nashville teaching students and the community and anyone who wanted to learn, really, about nonviolence as, as Gandhi practiced it. And um, C.T. was—that's that's where I met C.T. Uh, he was about, oh, I guess 13 years older than I am, and— um, the ministers who were involved were 10 and more years older. And I remember being very uh, curious about whether they were the, they were going to put us up to doing the sit-ins and getting arrested and in trouble. And, and um, I wondered if they were going to sit in and do the same things that we were. And uh, they did. And CT definitely um, did. He was in the sit-ins and later in the Freedom Ride. And um, he was then on SCLC, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference staff. That was Dr. King's organization. I believe he was the director of affiliates because SCLC had about 50 mm -hmm. um, chapters at the time. And uh, so CT took play. To, um, he was involved in uh, Selma, obviously uh, the right to vote. He he was involved in the Chicago movement and was very effective in talking with the gangs and uh, making them see that it made more sense for them to do things together to benefit the black community rather than to be fighting each other. Um, he he uh, was active in, I think it was, I can't think, St. Augustine or Fort Lauderdale. Oh, he was in St. Augustine. It was St. Augustine. He, he, told me, Augustine. he told me about it. And uh, that's where a cop dripped on his back, almost drowned him in the ocean. Exactly. Now, he had, I, I would never have 
done a protest in the ocean because I don't swim well. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and he, he survived that one. And um, he was someone that had no ulterior motives. So often now um, we run across people who take part in demonstrations and they want to be on television or they want to run for a political office or something. And uh, CT sincerely wanted to improve society. He was smart. He was level-headed. He had integrity. He was courageous, truthful, and a wonderful preacher. And uh, he had a great sense of humor, but it was, when necessary, he was very no-nonsense. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a family man. Uh, his wife, Octavia, and he were together for a lifetime until she passed away, I think about uh, seven or eight years ago. Uh, they had six children, and uh, the, the family just always seemed to be full of love. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he was not only responsible to the society, but also to his uh, his family and friends and his personal life. It is uh, certainly uh, a huge loss. It was always, uh, I always talked about it was great seeing him. Uh, and, and he just... He was always there. In 2016, um, we were at the Treasury Department where they had a ceremony um, uh, commemorating a plaque for the Freedmen's Bank. He was there. I think about seeing them. I'm looking at some photos from Congressional Black Caucus, Operation Hope. Uh, I remember uh, Hank Stewart has his, he had his event in Atlanta. He was there. I mean, he was not somebody uh, who was a homebody. He, uh, he, was, he was always there. Uh, and and lending his support even to activists today. That's what he's been doing. Yes, and he was um, active, Roland, into his 90s. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, Yeah, he was speaking on university campuses, and uh, he's one of those people that I can really say the world is different and much better because he lived. Uh, he made a huge difference, and today I've been wondering how we're going to navigate this troubled world without him. Well, Ambassador Andrew Young, who was just on a few minutes ago, this is what he said. He said, Roland, um, he said, we don't leave, we simply move on. The fact that we still are talking about Dr. King, still talking about Hosea Williams, still talking about uh, those legends, he said, that's the case, so... Uh, they're still with us. I think the key is for us to take the lessons that they gave us and keep applying them to present day. And then folks like you who are still in the fight, who are still battling, uh, that's important as well. And I want you to know, and I still want to sit down and do a one-on-one with you. Uh, I did with C. I did with CT, with Juanita Abernathy and others. Uh, but it's also important for us, this generation, uh, to give uh, proper credit and tribute to folks like you uh, who, who put the work in. You said you were scared, uh, but you uh, were still one tough cookie. Uh, and, and we just appreciate um, uh, your work all of these years and what you did to make uh, it better for the next generation, Diane Ash. Thank you so much, Roland, and I'll look forward to doing that 
uh, sit down one-on-one. We're going to make it happen. Diane Ash, thank you so very much. I appreciate it for honoring Reverend C.T. Vivian. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Folks, uh, this is the video that was shown when uh, C.T. Vivian got the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, from the White House. We want to share it with you. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Harry Belafonte, the legend himself. Here's C.T. Vivian. I, I thought, you know, I unexpected, and I didn't think much about it, and I was busy one thing or the other. The closer we've gotten to it, uh, the more exciting it has become. The more you look forward to it, the more you begin to understand the kinds of things that could come as a result of this, right? That you can do some good that you wouldn't, it wouldn't be able to do otherwise. How it fits into your life's work, you see what I mean, is that Everything that I have done and wanted to do, I created Upward Bound, right? Is that, uh, and just because uh, a lot of kids got kicked out of school uh, because of racism, right? And uh, I kept trying to figure how we're going to make those young people uh, uh, leadership for a new South. And that's, I was with Dr. Martin Luther King, right? So what we were doing was creating a new South, huh? Uh, uh, as a part of a whole new concept of our participation in the nation, right? And uh, uh, so that when you see people who are thinking like that uh, for a lifetime, uh, how important it is, is that uh, uh, you know that it opens doors and that people take you seriously, more seriously than they did before. It sounds so pat when you say it. But uh, 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 where are your values? Uh, hold on to them, right? Go with it. Uh, there's going to be a number of things you want to do. Some of them will make you far more money. Uh, but is that what you want to do? Uh, uh, some of them you want to do, but you won't be able to do. Uh, because you just don't have it, right? <laughs> and then, so do what you can do and do it well. But always ask your question, hey, is it serving people? Now, the point being is you don't have to worry about asking yourself that truthfully because uh, you know whether you want to uh, 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 help folk or not, right? And to me, that's the number one thing. If, if you're not changing things for the benefit of the greater society, right, then you're not about much anyway, right? Uh, at the level we're talking, uh, if, you, if it's the level for your survival, that's another thing, right? But if you're really free enough and open enough and have opportunities enough, uh, uh, always think about the good it's going to do for other people. Because you've already been honored, right? I don't mean by medals. You've already been honored by being in a position to help somebody, right? And if, but if you don't get upset at seeing people hurt, suffer, put in bad situations, uh, put in situations they're never going to get out of for the wrong reasons, if that doesn't really make you a little angry, really, all right? Uh, angry enough to do something about it, uh, then you wouldn't think about it anyway. 
folks, joining me right now is one of my personal heroes, uh, someone who has been a longtime freedom fighter, one of our fiercest advocates, the great Harry Belafonte. Mr. B. Hello, baby. How are you? Man, how you doing? Have not heard your voice in a long time. Um, yeah. How are you? It's a sad time. It is. Uh, it is. It is. The loss of C.T. Vivian, loss of C.T. Vivian to many of us is equal to the loss of Dr. King. He was a tremendous force for good in this country. He was one of the stalwart leaders of the movement. He committed himself in the most dignified and most passionate way to the cause of freedom, and especially among people of color. His loss is a great loss for America, and I am very saddened that uh, we're having this discussion. A lot of folks talk about he was an amazing preacher, um, and we don't think about it that way, but people forget he was Reverend C.T. Vivian. So many of these folks were, were, were reverends as well. I mean, they were, I mean, they were moral, spiritual leaders who are putting it all on the line. Right. That's right. That was him. I, I, I am so sad. Uh, I feel almost as disoriented with the passing of C.T. Gideon as I did at the passing of Dr. King. Mm. He was a great, great warrior. And uh, we shall miss him dearly. And his voice and his courage and his wisdom. One of the things that people forget, these folks were humans. They were regular, ordinary people who did extraordinary things. Um, beyond the fight for civil rights, um, how was he just as a person? He was a man that was filled with nothing but love to the human race. His, his compassion and his commitment to the freedom of humanity was unequaled. Uh, I think that the loss of in is is something that uh, many of us will not get over quickly. But you know what, Mr. And, B? Uh, you know what, Mr. B? I think, and just as somebody who's been a journalist, you know, for the last 20 plus years, I think part of the problem, which I think is very difficult, is that a lot of people really focus on just Dr. King or just the large figures, but they forget there were so many others who fortified them, who were part of these strategy sessions, uh, who, who were involved. When you think about Diane Nash and James Bevel and Bernard Lafayette and James Orange and Hosea Williams and Septima Clark, and we could go on and on and on, that, that, these were, they were all giants. And it wasn't just one or two figures who somehow rose above the others. Yes. Our, our movement was larger than any one personality. And although Dr. King was, was, was a leader beyond compare, one who led us beautifully to the conclusions of success that we had experienced, was not a march he held uh, on his own. 
He had many powerful warriors by his side, instructing him, guiding him, giving him the benefit of their wisdom on strategy. And C.T. Vivian was a heavy, heavy player in that world. We shall miss him dearly. Last question for you, sir. Um, and I hate saying last question to you because I can listen to you all day. That's why I always enjoyed us getting together for lunch and dinner. Um, he's 95. Reverend Lauer was 98. Um, you just celebrated what, 93rd? 90. You say, say it again? Yeah. You, yeah. So, so many years... What do you want folk today? What do you want them, folk today, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, to know and understand about you and legends like Reverend Vivian and the work they put in? What do you want them to know? I think that we must pause and accept the fact that the movement uh, Black Lives Matter has stepped into the breach and is making magnificent contributions to the, to, to the objectives of liberation being waged by black people all over the world, let alone just this country. And I think that the example left by C.T. Vivian, the example left by Dr. King, the example left by Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker and so many others, uh, has been an indelible part of the success of our history. And I think their passing has left a great void. But I'm convinced that the young people have gotten the message. And when I look at what's going on with Black Lives Matter, when I look at what's going on with the women's movement, what went on with the women in the global uh, mobilization recently, I think we're on the right path, and it's a contribution these men and women made. The group I've just mentioned is, is, is a great gift to our cause. They shall be missed dearly. I said this to Diane Nash. I say it to you every single time I get to see you and talk. Uh, that we owe an absolute debt of gratitude, not just for what you did, but what you continue to do. Uh, you have uh, slowed down, but the fight is still in you. Uh, it is still there. What was passed on from you from Paul Robeson, uh, well, you have passed on to other people. And uh, I just want you to know, and again, I say it every time, that we appreciate you, we thank you, and we love all that you have done, all that you will continue to do. Uh, Harry Belafonte, my brother, thank you so very much. Thank you so much for continuing our struggle and bringing your voice to our cause so magnificently. We love you. Love you, love you, love you. I appreciate it. Tell your wife hello. Take care, buddy. Thanks a lot. Whew. Again, um, you know, folks, these are these are folks who uh, I've met, I've talked to, I've interviewed, got a chance to uh, uh, to know. And, and, and I'm telling you, just when you when when Thurgood Marshall died, uh, I was working at the Austin American Statesman and I uh, was connected with the great Barbara Jordan. And Barbara Jordan told this story. Uh, she told this story um, about just sitting at his feet, uh, just sitting 
uh, at his feet and learning, listening to him. And that's really uh, what I've always enjoyed when it comes to Harry Belafonte, when it came, when it comes to Reverend C.T. Vivian, when it came to, uh, when it comes to Ambassador Andrew Young and so many others, the ability just to be in their presence and listen and learn. I guarantee you my next guest uh, believes in that as well. John Hope Bryan is the founder of Operation Hope. Uh, he joins us right now. Uh, John, um, you and I knew C.T. Vivian very well. He was with you when they uh, did the dedication of the Freedmen's Bank and the Treasury Department in January of 2016. Um, hell of a loss of a lion. Yeah. First of all, thank you for doing this, uh, Roland. I, I got a call from Ambassador Young just a moment ago. I said, why are you calling me? I'm about to go on. I'm about to go on. You got off. <laughs> now your, your deal's done. You want to call me? And mess up my train of thought. But, uh, um, he, uh, I try, even though he's my play father, I call him Ambassador Andrew Young. I don't call him Andy or Andrew Young. I call him Ambassador Andrew Young. I call Reverend C.T. Vivian, Reverend C.T. Vivian. Um, and, uh, you know, I was looking at Diane Nash, who... I mean, Roland, fine, smart, you know, super intelligent, committed, could have done anything she wanted to as a young young lady, was focused on this movement. Uh, Harry Belafonte, handsome, smart, charismatic, could have just gone and done Hollywood, exclusively focused on this movement. Um, and, you know, uh, it was leaders like Dr. King and, and Ambassador Young and John Lewis, uh, who was in a parallel path, but still the same movement, uh, Dorothy Height, Reverend C.T. Vivian. Their integrity rooted everybody, right? And, you know, everybody's been saying these real, real somber stories. These are very serious, and, and understandably so. I'd like to bring a little levity to the discussion about Reverend C.T. Vivian, if you don't mind. I sent you some discreet photos while we were while you were interviewing well, I, well, actually, I'm showing right now. I'm actually, I, I got. I'm trying to see if I can pull them up. But right now, I'm actually. This is y'all. But this is the photo here. This is from the dedication, of the Treasury Department. You're sitting. This is the back of your back of y'all head. So sorry. This is y'all <laughs> sitting together. Uh, and then this is the uh, photo here uh, of the three of us having a good laugh uh, while about to interview the two of you. Uh, and so he was. Uh, he was a road dog for you. But go right ahead. Yeah, so I'll t in no particular order, I'm going to tell you. So Reverend Vivian would study everything and everyone. I think Miss Nash mentioned this. And he want, he wouldn't mess with you unless you were serious. Mm. So he wanted to make sure I was serious. And he he would look at me and he'd observe. And, and then, I don't know what order this came from, but we started to warm the relationship up. And one day he called me out of the blue and said, I want to come see you. The legend says he wants to come see you. Just say, what time? Yeah. What would you like? Would you like me to come to your office? No, no. What's your address? <laughs> and he came to my home, and I sent you, I think I sent you one of those photos in the library. If I didn't, I will send it to you. A candid shot. Uh, in, we're in the library in my house, and he said, I've read your book, How the Forks of Capitalism, three times. You're on to something. <laughs> he said... The next movement is about money and economics and poverty eradication. This is where Dr. King was going. What's the new, you know, what's the plan? I want to, Doc, he, he loves saying that. Doc, we got to get serious about this. Let me tell you what my ideas are here. And he laid all his thoughts out methodically, 
now he's 90. He'll be going on 96 now. This, I mean, I know he could, he had to be 90, Roland, when mm-hmm. he was having mm-hmm. this conversation with me. Lucid, focused. He he would walk at 90, 91 years old a mile a day. Um, this is his private. This is the private doctor, Doctor Vivian. And he he wanted to know what my plan was and what I was going to do about it, or was I just running my mouth? And if I was serious about it, he was going to join me and help me. And uh, I'll tell you, I got so I sort of had a man crush on him, and uh, he didn't know me as long as Ambassador Young knew me, so he didn't have the context. And I hug people. People know me, you know. I hug you. I I, I say I love you. I, I've got a problem with my manlyhood, so I tell a brother I love you. Mm-hmm. So I went up. At an, an event, and I said, I love you, Dr. Vivian. I love you. And I kissed him on his forehead. <laughs> and he gave me this look. He gave me this look he had never given me before. And he didn't say anything. And about two or three weeks later, either I called him or he called me. And we had a very honest relationship. So he said, now, Doc, you know, uh, uh, you told me you love me. Yeah. Well, you know, I respect you, John, and we're good friends. <laughs> and I had to remember, like, he's 90, you know, whatever years old. I, were, you know, I had to remember, he's from another era. Right. Brothers don't say, I love you to other men, and don't kiss him, and you don't kiss another man on the forehead. So I was like, yo, 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 we're good. Like, <laughs> we're good. I love you, like, spiritually love you. He's like, oh, oh, okay, we're cool. <laughs> and and then he was on the mission the work now I don't know if he was joking because he had a wicked sense of humor or whether he was serious but but he but but it was real like it was authentic and that was him all the time I sent you a photo of him because he it was always cutting edge I, I know so so as, so so as you're talking I just want to know as you're talking what I'm doing is I'm actually uh sending them to the iPad and so I want to put them in a slideshow just so you just keep talking I'm 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 working over here while you talking so go ahead <laughs> Yeah I sent you a photo of um of uh of him looking at an iPad Uh I was I had my iPad we're at dinner me and Bachelor Young him Don Rivers got Don Rivers is like his road dog that was Robert, Nothing happened. Don Rivers was to Reverend C.T. Vivian, Presidential Medal of Freedom Awardee, what and Andrew Young was to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the consigliere, the chief lieutenant, the chief strategist. Don Rivers gets no credit for all the great stuff he did. But anyway, he was there with us. And um, and, and Reverend Vivian said, well, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking at my iPad, looking at my schedule for the morning. He said, well, let me see it. <laughs> And so I gave him my iPad, and uh, you, there's a shot that I sent to you of him illuminated by the iPad. Um, there's another picture I sent to you of him talking, it had to be two or three years ago, with young brothers in a group called Just Brothers here in Atlanta. That of young, Again, he's 93 years old at this point, leaning in, man, leaning in, not giving an inch, not... Not not saving a breath, giving it 100 percent. You got there's one shot. Uh, now Bash Young's younger than than there you go. Bash Young's younger than CT Vivian, but Bash Young's chilling in the wheelchair, letting somebody push him in the airport going to DC. And CT's and CT's huffing it. He's he's walking ahead of Bash Young and in the in the aides. And CT had to be 90, 
three at that point. That's with Secretary Jack Lew in the Treasury Department, where Jack Lew, Secretary Lew, renamed the Treasury Annex Building the Freedmen's Bank Building in honor of former slaves. This was something Reverend Vivian called me and said, John, you don't realize how important, that's what we did our interview at Ebenezer Church. He said, I don't think you realize how important this renaming of this Freedmen's Bank is. And he started talking to me about, again, about economics, about the poor people's campaign, Dr. King's last movement about po about poverty. He says, you know, I got to be there. And we, we got to emphasize to the Secretary of the Treasury what needs to be done to access to provide access to capital for poor and struggling entrepreneurs and small business owners. This is the next movement. By the way, uh, Roland, where are we at now? Isn't that the, isn't that the discussion Right now, the thing that C.T. Vivian, Reverend C.T. Vivian, um, pointed to as a light on the hill. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, I want to I want to play something for you because I want to get your thoughts because you, you are. He also had a a massive book project that people don't realize. Um, this is, folks. Let me let me set this thing up. So just give me one second. Uh, guys, I want you to go to because um, I'm playing it on my iPad. So just give me a second. Uh, so, um, um, Henry, go ahead and are you seeing this? Go ahead and play this. Uh, pull the audio, please. The interview with Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in president ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Vivian. Mm-hmm. So as you see here. So that would be an over the shoulder, basically. Yeah. Oh. Can I see? Uh, yeah, and you got it on the camera? Yeah, it's on. You know that? He has his camera, which matching wise, it'd have to be. John, what was amazing, what was amazing about this is, I mean, being in his house like a museum. But he yes. had this book project, and just correct me if I'm wrong, he was trying to collect the first edition of every book published by an African-American? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of his many projects, <laughs> uh, including outrunning me and you, probably, a, a, a jogging project. I mean, this guy, I, I can't, that, that house where you saw, he would leave that house and walk a mile or two every day around that house uh, just to keep his, his joints uh, is joint strong. I don't. I don't know many people. You're my age. You can walk a mile or two a day. And he was 90 plus years old. Yes, uh, he was an intellectual giant. He was again. He read my book, one of my books, three times um, before he called me. Imagine what else he had read. Right. Uh, certainly, uh, just an absolutely uh, unbelievable person. Did you get that photo of him with the iPad? I just sent it to you again. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, I do have that one. Let me see if I can. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, where is it? I'm looking on here. I think the, here it is, right here. All right, that's the photo right there. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, at dinner, and, and Ambassador Young and um, and he and I were having this thoughtful conversation. But he wanted to know what he was nosy. Like, what are you doing on that iPad? Why, 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 why are you not sharing it with me? And he didn't want me to tell him was on it. He wanted to see it himself. He wanted to be part of the future um, in every way. Um, and he was going to orchestrate it. Oh, here's this great shot. Oh, my God. I'm sending it to you. Uh, this is like going down memory lane, man. This guy, this is when he he bogarted, bogarted himself into my house where he, he said, I'm coming to see you. What's your address? <laughs> <laughs> um, that, now, this is a young lady stopping him outside of the Treasury Department. Again, Ambassador Young is supposedly the icon. He doesn't mind me saying this. He doesn't have a self-esteem problem. Uh, and this is a lady stopping Reverend Vivian because she was so enthralled with him. That's inside of my—that's when he came to see me. And you see he's got a book in his hand. He, he, even there, it's not my book. He pulled up another book. I'm sorry, that's where his, that's the book he was—that's he, his book that he was taking notes in. Yeah, he was, a, he was an absolutely committed— uh, learner, someone who was committed uh, to, uh, and 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 you had to look. Go to my opinion. The look on your face is sort of like how I was with him and how I was with Harry Belafonte. You just shut up and listen. Just shut up and listen. But here's man. the crazy. But here's the crazy thing, though. And last question for you, John. What was crazy is that we want to shut up and listen, and they want to shut up to listen. That's right. Like, That's right. I, I, I'm like, okay, I'm not trying to talk. I want you to talk. They're like, no, 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 no. I want to hear you. So this is the difference between leaders today and, and, and iconic transformational leaders of the 20th century 
this deep in this ethos. And I, we got to get people. God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you listen twice as much as you talk. And there's there's not one. There's nothing. There's no limit to what you can do. When you're not concerned with who got the credit. Andrew Young, Ambassador Andrew Young, and, and Dr. C.T. Vivian were not trying to beat Dr. King. They weren't player hating. They weren't jealous. They weren't hogging the camera. They were there for service. They were servant leaders. And as a result of that, the world has given them everything because they wanted nothing, Roland. The, the, world, the, the world has given them everything. They didn't want for a thing. Everybody wanted to host them, toast them, give them free cars, whatever, which they would not take. I mean, I, there's so much I cannot tell about what Ambassador Young and C.T. Vivian it did not accept that they could have, would have, which have personally, would have personally enriched them, but did not accept because they thought it would look bad on them. They thought that poor people and other folks should get the opportunity, and so they sent it someplace else. Mm-hmm. We need today um, leaders like Harry Belafonte in entertainment, uh, like Ms. Nash uh, in uh, the intellectual sciences and in civil society, yep. like Reverend C.T. Vivian in the pulpit. Uh, and out and, and and in the streets uh, and in the suites, and Ambassador Andrew Young in our hearts, our lives, and our homes. These, these are givers, man. They're, they're, they're not focusing on what they get; they focus on what they have to give. Yep. And and whatever goes around, comes around. And I don't know about you, Roland, but one of my greatest blessings in the world is just being able to hang around them. The only reason I'm not entirely sad today is that Reverend Vivian was, was almost 96. I talked to his son, Al Vivian. He was not sad. He's, he, he, they had made peace with it. I talked to Ambassador Young. He had lived his life. He had did everything, and he's been promoted. I know he's sitting uh, to, the, to the side of the Father right now, our Father, our God, and chilling um, and, being, and, being asked, and, and asking, what's my next assignment? Now, we've got to honor him by getting back to work. And we're in a, movement, a moment right now that's historic, and we got to not let this— fall by the wayside. We all have to get to work. And we've got to do more. What you're doing here is make sure that Reverend Vivian's name is is bigger in so-called death as it was than it was in life. He is still with us. We're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Energy matters and souls are forever. And he's with us forever. Absolutely. John Hope Bryant, I certainly appreciate it, man. Thank you so very much. Peace and light. Folks, last year, Reverend Joseph Lowry had his 98th birthday celebration. Ambassador Andrew Young was there. Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. was there. Reverend C.T. Vivian was there. Folks, this was 180-plus years of wisdom. Um, I was the MC of the event. We live-streamed this event, and um, we were looking for the video, could not find the video. So I, I hit up Cheryl Lowry, the daughter of Reverend Dr. Joseph Lowry, uh, and she got me in contact with Casey Wright, who was the videographer. Uh, and folks are obviously in front of all this, but uh, you, you, you can see his head. You can't see Reverend Lowry, but this was Reverend C.T. Vivian celebrating his longtime friend, Reverend Joseph Lowry, on the birthday. Y'all, this was a few months ago, October, in, is October 2019. Both of them but no longer with us. Watch this. C.T. Vivian stepped over. He wanted to say a couple of words to his longtime friend, Reverend Dr. Lowry. Reverend Vivian? Uh, let me tell you, is that uh, just a half a dozen of, of fellows that have uh, been here, gone through it all, and, and made, and made uh, 
clear uh, effort of it all and did good things for many young people. And, and uh, that, uh, you don't know which is best, it's, uh, but both are good. And he's done it and continued to do it. And even when he wasn't doing it, his friends were because of him. And that, and that, that, that that's, that's rare. A uh, hundred and ninety combined years of wisdom right here. Give it up for Reverend C.T. Vivian. Folks, it was great to be there. Uh, one of the reasons why it's important for you to support what we do at Roland Martin Unfiltered uh, is for moments like this. The reality is Reverend C.T. Vivian did not get his just due on the cable networks today. I, I haven't seen it. I don't even know if he was even mentioned uh, on the evening newscast. But this was a giant, an absolute giant. Uh, there were some other folks who we, we wanted to have on. Bernice King, she had an emergency. Reverend James Lawson, who trained Reverend C.T. Vivian in the Nashville movement. Uh, we had some issues. We're going to try to get him on Monday because I really want his reflections. Um, and so stick with us because you're about to see my one-on-one -on -one interview with C.T. Vivian's. And wait until you hear what he says about not being afraid to die. Y'all going to be blown away. But this is why we want you to support Roland Martin on the filter. This is why we want you to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Nobody else is going to do this kind of tribute. No black website. You're not going to see this on TV One, on OWN, on BET, on BET Her, on Clio TV, on Bounce, on Aspire. You're not going to see this even on Revolt. You're not going to see this. This is why we matter. This is why independent black-owned media matters. More than 5,000 of you on YouTube, y'all can join right there. Y'all can also join us by simply uh, our cash app, PayPal, Venmo, or send a course of money order to New Vision Media, Inc., NU Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Uh, normally, we end the show on Friday showing you all of our Charter Club members. We're not going to do that today because I want to get right to one-on-one -on -one interview. This was done in October 2017 in preparation for MLK 50th, which was the commemoration of the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This interview took place in the home of Reverend C.T. Vivian. Absolutely stunning. And we did this because we wanted to make sure that we had the voices of our elders on video and even when they moved on, they will still be able to speak to future generations. And so please, I hope you enjoy my one-on-one -on -one interview with Reverend C.T. Vivian. Henry, are we ready? All right. Reverend Vivian. Yes. Finally good to sit down and chat with you. <laughs> Same, my brother. 93 years. You've seen a, a heck of a whole lot in 93 years. Yeah. Did you think we would be where we are now with the madness of Donald Trump sitting in the White House, with all that you've seen, all that you've gone through, all that you've fought for? Uh, not with, let's put it this way, is that uh, given the fact that uh, we produced Martin King and then the president, I didn't have any idea that we would ever have uh, Trump anywhere. Uh, in the United States, right? 
uh, is that, uh, and uh, because he is working together with other people uh, that uh, we hardly knew and had forgotten uh, uh, to, uh, uh, who is now trying to bring back uh, 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 the racism of yesterday. And uh, uh, when you think about uh, somebody even thinking about bringing it back, well, not thinking about it, but uh, trying hard to do it and working through a, uh, 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 a president, even after we had a president, right? uh, didn't expect any of that. And uh, 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 now we've got the battle of uh, uh, struggling to make certain that uh, he does not have an effect. But I, but I often tell people that though, if you look at the history of America, black success has always been followed by white backlash. Yeah, oh, yeah, white backlash, but not this effective. See, this is, this is what I, I, there are, they, they, they've been at that. I mean, and I knew that, that no matter what you do, they, they, they weren't even trying to bring back uh, the Klan type stuff because they thought they had lost the battle, right? And, uh, uh, and we thought they had lost the battle. But uh, they, uh, they, then what we know was uh, we got uh, uh, a person in the White House uh, 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 and we have to put up with that and go back to doing it again. Uh, uh, we hope things will fall our direction. But do you believe that this moment, though, is a wake-up call for what I call the post-civil rights movement generation, those born 68 and beyond, for them to understand that parents may have wanted to keep a lot of this stuff away, mm -hmm. but they got to put some skin in this game as well. Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, that the struggle is never won, completely won. And we rested too long to expect it to, uh, to, to uh, have a, a, a not to happen, all right? Uh, and uh, and I, I say that uh, uh, for uh, many of our older persons as well as our younger ones, right, uh, is that uh, you never have to stop fighting the struggle. In fact, until you're completely in charge, you're not in charge at all. And, uh, uh, and we have to know that and see that and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and make each other aware of it, uh, uh, even when it seems like that we have won all the battles, right? We still have to make uh, uh, our people and our young people even quite aware that the struggle is never over. That's one thing I like about Jews. Jews uh, never think the struggle is over. When did you know that you were going to be committing your life 
to black liberation, black freedom, that struggle? Was there a moment where you, where you knew exactly? No, there wasn't a moment. But there, there was uh, 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 the reality of it came from uh, my grandmother, all right? Uh, and then when I saw it happening and going to a white school uh, uh, in the North, uh, I realized that, uh, oh, they loved me, but they didn't love black folk. Uh, uh, I'm, uh, they got a street named after me, but, uh, uh, but not, uh, <laughs> but, but to accept black people uh, totally as a truly full human being, it's another thing. How old were you? Uh, about sixth grade. And then from that point on, as you began to see how America viewed African Americans, viewed well, black well, I already knew that. See, see, uh, 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 my grandmother had a library, uh, and uh, uh, and. Uh, that is what I read all the time, right? And uh, uh, when and she was always concerned about uh, 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 who we are and what we must do. And as a result of that, uh, uh, I, I thought, but I thought that once we had a president, we wouldn't have to worry. In fact, I was surprised that we had got a president as soon as we did. I did not think we would get it at all, really. <laughs> and, uh, but I knew that if we did, that would be, that would be the, 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 that they were really uh, completely accepting and, uh, and that they would see us as worthy of uh, being in charge of any and everything. But they still didn't. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. <laughs> and so, so, so even though Obama becomes president, you still had the folks who question uh, oh, black intellect, who oh, question, I mean, who question everything, and they're now in power. Uh, uh, they they uh, started fighting back uh, and uh, allowing uh, the those that uh, had thought that they had completely lost. Uh, they nevertheless. Uh, started back. See, we, we have to understand that if Jews have to worry about it for a couple thousand years to right now is that uh, uh, we just have to consider that it will take us longer than we thought. Reverend Jim Lawson said that he said, look, if you had nearly 400 years of an oppressive system, it might take that long to, to end that system. Well, uh, it may even take longer than that. Uh, uh, Jim's idea is right. Uh, however, uh, 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 time's a funny thing. It, it, is it, do you think it's because 
as I often make the case, that race is so deeply embedded in the DNA of America that it's fool's folly to think. You passed a few laws. Okay, fine, you can live here, you can eat here. Then we're all good. I mean, it, it, is, it is, and I often say that there are a lot of whites, it is so deeply embedded, they don't even realize even their own views on it because it is so ingrained in the DNA of America. Uh, very true. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's what I mean, is that, uh, uh, that is, we never can not see it and never take it for granted that you are free. Uh, uh, you always struggle for your real, total freedom, right? Uh, in a in a country that's had, and uh, in, within any country that's had slavery, and you are the slave. When when you reflect back mm -hmm. to been out there fighting. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about where your fearlessness came from? Mm, uh, uh, yeah. In fact, actually, first grade was a very, very important day for me. Uh, it was a, it was a truly, it was great experience. Uh, uh, now, it takes me all day to say this, so I'm going to cut it down. <laughs> but uh, 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 I, uh, my, grand, my, my mother oh, just uh, always made me, prettied me up, you know. She loved that because we were going to this white school, and so, so we got to look good and all that stuff, right? First grade. And... Uh, so, uh, 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 I uh, uh, was going out the back door of the school, and uh, a little gang had uh, gotten together, run by a black, a little black boy who was dumb as they come, uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, and so. The point is, is that uh, uh, I would run out the back door, and uh, while they were going out the front door, right, and uh, uh, and the railroad track is was back there somewhere, and I would take the railroad track uh, 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 to where I could hit the uh, uh, the concrete and go on go on home because I was only uh, two blocks from school, uh, and. Uh, 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 and so, and I'd beat him. Well, I, I had to stay after school for a couple minutes uh, uh, for something. And I uh, uh, went back in and, and ran back to the sand pile at the back and, and, uh, uh, and looked both directions, and they rose up around me. And uh, uh, Theodore Derrick was the boy's name. Well, I remember all the names. <laughs> and this is first grade, and I'm 90. 
93. But I remember all of them because it was a very, very important experience, mm -hmm. right? And uh, 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 and uh, so uh, 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 I, uh, uh, he, he, he sent somebody in to fight me. I beat that boy. And, uh, and I'm not supposed to be able to fight at all because my grandmother had taught me uh, Christianity. <laughs> and they, so uh, uh, they sent another boy in for me. And uh, I beat him. Uh, I mean, I beat him badly. And, uh, and the, uh, so, uh, 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 and I, I remember clearly, I looked down at him in the sand, right? And there was sand, great sand pile, professional sand pile back there. Uh, and I looked down at him, and I knew that uh, uh, I couldn't lick them all. <laughs> So I would better. Uh, so I looked at uh, uh, Theodore Dirk and said, "Come on in, <laughs> come on in the circle." Uh, and uh, he decided not to, <laughs> <laughs> and he went home right with all the with all his little gang. So the bully was afraid uh, to fight you. That, that's exactly right. And this is first grade, all right. This is first grade. And, uh, and, but they was always trying to defeat somebody and, and uh, because of their, their own personal uh, uh, ignorance, really. Um, so were you staring them down? Yeah. So, were you, so when, you stood, when you stared down Jim Clark and Bull Connor, you were just thinking back to the first grade. Well, I wasn't thinking back to it, but uh, I like I like the idea. <laughs> you said I dealt yeah. with the bully then. You I dealt with the bully now. In fact, and that and that was because I kept doing that all the way through school until until uh, when I was in in, uh, in fourth grade. I was in charge of the school. All right, uh, and, uh, and but I didn't hurt anybody. I made certain that that uh, the, uh, nobody uh, fought kids who were weaker or, or, or less able than, than they were, right? And uh, in fact, uh, they had to fight me uh, uh, if, they, if they fought anybody that was smaller or in a grade under them, right? Uh, now, uh, so by the time we were in sixth grade, which was that school was going to be out, right? Uh, 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 the sixth grade would make it over. Uh, by that time, I made clear that ever to everybody, uh, except two kids, <laughs> I know them too, right? Is that uh, 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 that? Uh, uh, I, I, if they if they jumped on anybody, uh, I would jump on them, right? And uh, and and the other kid uh, that was capable uh, at the fourth grade level uh, was a white boy uh, named uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, I I can see him now. He had white hair, uh, you know, as that uh, and. Uh, 
And he was dumb as 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 <laughs> as as, uh, as as Theodore Dark, right? And uh, <clears throat> in fact, in the third grade, the teacher made me teach them. <laughs> 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 they still paid no attention. Yeah, well, see, that's it. They tried. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't have it, you don't have it, right? And, and so uh, given that is that uh, uh, in sixth grade, though, right, is that I made certain that, uh, that they would make a promise that we would our school was the fighting school, right? Mm -hmm. That that we would not fight anymore. Period. And it worked. I mean, they so said. So you go from a school where you're not fighting to you having to fight for basic freedom. Precisely. And the and uh, and 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 uh, happened to be ready for it. Uh, won it, right? And but. I didn't want to be it, right? In fact, uh, uh, I'm wasting your time, but but let, but, but, let, but let me give it to you. Is that um, uh, uh, I uh, uh, thought about it and uh, decided that uh, 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 when I when I fought that. When I won the, that second battle, I uh, uh, I made friends with the guy that uh, a big uh, Frank uh, Frank I'd hit him and he'd hit me. We would go down and back and forth, right? And so when we finished it, we uh, 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 we decided that we didn't need to fight each other. So he joined me. And uh, and we wouldn't allow anybody to beat up on anybody else. All right? uh, uh, that was that that um, uh, uh, and and give you another piece of it. The uh, the war uh, uh, was over. Not only for, for little boys fighting, in the, uh, uh, but what uh, it was over. The war itself that was going on uh, uh, started. And, uh, it sounds strange, but it, it started, and everybody had had uh, uh, a job because uh, once the war started, there was a job. Never forgot that, and uh, uh, and and life changed for everybody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. So as, as you explain that story, yeah, in the fight for black freedom, yeah, does America replace those schoolyard bullies? That yeah. is, America was the country picking on the little people, precisely establishing their dominance over them, precisely, and uh, uh, and and. When I got to junior high, see, let's say, and uh, those kids, the 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 dumber ones, uh, 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 and I shouldn't call them, but I got to, uh, is that they had jobs now. All right, their parents had jobs now. Uh, it made the difference, is that uh, so they could keep this this uh, promise that they made to me, right? Uh, uh, that they they could keep it because they weren't even going to school, right? They they had money, they had a job, they had, and this is just sixth grade, right? But I never had a a fight or or since then, right? Is that uh, uh, I I they we ended up in. In uh, junior high, uh, uh, w- uh, with uh, 
uh, uh, uh, uh, ended up with, in, in, in junior high with uh, 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 a, a system that they, you went to first grade, you, you either, they put you in a grade, right, uh, by ability. So uh, all of us that uh, had ability uh, 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 were in that in that in that uh, in that class, right? And uh, uh, and so, but I had friends all down the school, right? And so I thought I would just uh, 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 try to not make the grade one time, right? And I tried not to make it, and I didn't make it. But man, when I got down, I dropped down the grade, is that uh, it was so bad because the kids just didn't have it. Kids that were my friends, right, mm -hmm. wanted to be nice and good and acceptable, but they couldn't. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I felt badly. So at, at the end of the six weeks, I went back upstairs, and I've been back upstairs since, right? <laughs> the thing that is interesting to me is when, when we look at some of these old newsreels. Yeah. Uh, and there's the, the famous one where... Um, the sheriff is on the steps and you're trying to go in, register to vote, uh, and takes a punch at you, knocks you back, and you don't stop talk, talking, yeah. you don't stop yelling, you, don't, you, 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 you didn't flinch. It was as if you, you can keep hitting me, but I'm not backing up. That's precisely right. And don't intend to yet, all right? Uh, there is uh, 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 there is no reason at ninety if I if I if I've held my ground this long that I don't keep it until I die, right? And and uh, uh, that's most important uh, to me is how do we reach the freedom mark, not how do we get rid of something? How do we gain more and more, right? When every time I see somebody black get a job, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Every time I see uh, uh, any kid uh, make it who couldn't make it before, that's, that's, that's my happiness. Uh, 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 that kind of experience makes me thankful. And, uh, uh, and I want to see more of it instead of less of it, right? When we, or when, you, when we think back to just the daily indignities, the, just the, the daily treatment, I, I, I don't think anybody who didn't endure it really, really understands what 
that was like. Precisely. You can read a movie, you can watch a movie, you can read a book, you yeah. can, but but just just every single day, Jim Crow envelops your entire life. And you know that it's going to. See, that's what makes it difficult. Wake up, yeah. go to bed. That's it. And and what this is this is see, I always knew white schools. Right. Uh, when I found out about uh, black schools uh, at the college level, that's what I really wanted, right? Uh, but but the University of Chicago was a better shot for me, <laughs> and uh, so uh, because I knew what was going on there because I'd been north all the time, right? Uh, and uh, so. I forgot the idea. I was just going to, uh, I, I forgot the fact that I wanted to make certain that, uh, that I stayed at that level again. You see what I mean? It's uh, to, to, to give it as you were talking about it, right? And uh, uh, so I tried to maintain it at another level. If I had been south, I would have been at Morehouse. All right, uh, that would have been it. And my children, and the worst thing that ever happened to my uh, 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 oldest son was the fact that he didn't go to um, Morehouse. My oldest, my youngest son did go, and it was the best experience of his life. All right, and. Uh, uh, and, and it's, uh, I just wished it could have happened for everyone. The, the, the fight for freedom. Yeah. I often say the reason that I think was so amazing, because you really just had ordinary people right. who had extraordinary faith, extraordinary courage, to say enough. Yeah, um, but see, what what happened when we, that's enough, right? As you say, right? Uh, uh, what happened is they decided because they gained the stuff it takes to run up against whatever whatever the problem is, and not bend uh, uh, at all, right? Uh, and whatever the cost, let's pay it. But let's not bend before it, right? And uh, 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 read Langston Hughes. Um, but, uh, uh, but my, well, leave that out. <laughs> I was going to take you somewhere else. <laughs> the, um, when I think about those ordinary people, no extraordinary things. Uh, so I'm reading this book, and remember we talked previously about this. So you're all in St. Augustine, and you're trying to desegregate the beaches, and all this sort of thing is happening, and, and you're all under these fierce attacks. And 
you're on the beach, you can't swim. That's right. And this person's trying to drown you. Yeah. And you tell me, here you are with your head underwater. Yeah. And you start laughing. That's right. And I, and I, and I say, this is it. <laughs> because I thought uh, uh, at that point, uh, the sky had me un un underwater. They swim every day. Uh, and I, I said, uh, this, is, this is it. And I laughed, right? Uh, <laughs> because uh, uh, I knew that that was it. Uh, that uh, uh, I was going to lose this one, but uh, uh, so if you if you lose it, you lose it, Doc. If you win it, you win it. All right. And I have every had every intention of winning them all. <laughs> and then someone jumped on his back, and you realized that it was a cop that was on your back. <laughs> So here you are, a cop was trying to drown you. <laughs> well, uh, well, no, he, he wasn't trying to drown me. He was really trying to pull the other guy off of me. Right? <laughs> everybody's trying to kill, everybody's trying to kill yeah, all y'all but, but yeah, in right. Florida. Yeah, but they, were, but they were on my back, right? But this, this, this policeman uh, 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 really uh, uh, tried to get rid of the white guy on my back. He really did. And so yeah. you're standing there, so you got the white guy no, on your I'm back. I'm standing there. I'm, 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 I'm stretched out underwater. <laughs> <laughs> so then, then the cop, so he pulls the guy off of you. Yeah. And then you come out of the water. And so now it's you, drenched, yeah. white guy, and the cop. And then you're trying to figure out who's going to jail. Yeah. Well, see, the point being is, is that... And you didn't have you didn't have time to think about it. You you just did it right. Uh, and the uh, 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 so uh, when uh, uh, and when the policeman grabbed me, I said, I said I didn't you know and, and whatever I said right. But the point is, I definitely let him know that I had no business being the one that's going to jail, right? And that this guy was, right? And, uh, and this guy was looking at, at, uh, at this policeman, too. The, 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 the guy that uh, was, was on my back was looking at policemen, too. We both were looking at the policeman. And the policeman, uh, and when I told him, the policeman, you know, you had no business, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, he began. He blinked, and I can see him blinking now. And 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 he looked back because he had never arrested white guys uh, 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 before uh, when it came to uh, a choice uh, between a black and a white fellow. It's so often those the folks fighting. Did you after it happened? Did y'all often go back to the hotel room or? You're in the car, and literally t share these wild stories. Essentially, how close you, all of y'all came to death. Uh, 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 not really. Is that we just know that we were, and uh, there was occasion. There were there were occasions where that uh, you didn't know you didn't know whether you were going to. Uh, uh, it's just like with the policeman. This guy wanted to shoot me, really.
right? But I was repping his face, right? Because uh, as soon as you give way, you can forget. And not only that, I was too angry to give way. I, I mean, you, you know, you, who do you think you are, right? Kind of thing, right? Uh, 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 it, was, it wasn't going to be. That's right. And if you'd known my mother, if you'd known my grandmother, all right, you would understand exactly what I mean. Were there moments where you say, you know what, I'm tired. I, I just want to go back up north and just get me a nice job. Y'all can have this. No. Just that simple. No. I've always been happy when I'm in the position that can bring a victory. That because any victory for some of us is a victory for all of us. And uh, 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 you, can, you, can, you can feel my feeling, <laughs> right? Is it, uh, uh, because that's it. Nobody has a right to mess up with somebody else. Just didn't. That gets us back to uh, well, it's something I left out, but I left it out on purpose because it was taking up time. But um, uh, uh, that that uh, 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 this I went back to school <clears throat> that second day. And uh, uh, in first grade, Murray School that second day, and this kid looked at me as though, oh, I'm afraid of you. And I, I, and I said, who are you looking at? And boy, he shook. And I realized how wrong I was. You don't scare people. You don't, you don't mess over people at all. Regardless of situation, right? You may get them off your back, but you don't mess with them. Uh, 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 they're just as human as you are. Who was your closest friend in the movement? As as you all are oh, traveling oh. around the country, as you are going through all these southern towns, as you are away from home, who who were you closest to? It was different in different towns. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it was uh, different according to the situation, and uh, that's. But uh, uh, but the character of things didn't change. How would you how would you describe being a part of SCLC? When King is kicked out of the National Baptist Convention USA, they start the Progressive Baptist Convention. Um, you have this this ministerial organization that, well, moral leadership is the basis of, of SLC. Not not 
NAACP and civil rights, yeah. not National Urban League and economics, but a moral basis. I see them both as moral basis. You see, is that uh, 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 one, one happens to be legal, uh, and the other one happens to be uh, uh, a, a, a spiritual base, uh, but they're both spiritual. See, that's, that's the way I really see it, is that uh, they're both spiritual. Uh, that uh, nobody's got any right to mess over anybody else, regardless of of, uh, of their denomination or uh, or that kind of thing. When you reflect on those days, when you think about just the slow, just day after day after day after day. Did, did you also gain courage by seeing people who had nothing, who had no education, who were saying, I'm, I'm standing by your side? Not really. Is that uh, 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 <clears throat> they were always there. I mean, uh, we, were, we were all all there, right? Is that uh, as long as you're in a struggle uh, for freedom and justice and decency, there will always be some people with you. And, uh, and I, I believe, and it doesn't make any difference if, I, if, I, if, if I'm going to go to jail for it, then I'm going to jail for it. Is that, uh, uh, but uh, I know I'm right and they know I'm right. And uh, they can they can mess over me because they got the position to do it, huh? but uh, 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 somehow or other, it, it just works this way. Talk, I I I I, 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 I don't uh, you know I, I I didn't learn it to quit. I didn't say you know uh, uh, well now this is what I must do. <laughs> When did you first cross paths with Dr. King? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, is that uh, 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 I was writing an article on him. I, I, I was a journalist. Right. I was writing an article on him. Uh, and uh, uh, I had, uh, and, and uh, uh, he came to Fisk to get a, uh, 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 to get a medal. So, so you you were working in Nashville. Yeah. Working in yeah, where, where, where were you working? Yeah, in Nashville. A black newspaper or yeah, where uh, were you working? Oh no, I was at the Sunday School Publishing Board of the National Baptist Convention. Okay. And we were the largest thing out there. So he so he's coming to Nashville, getting an award, and you're assigned to do a story on him. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. But uh, the point is that, that why I had went through that twice is because uh, uh, they did not, uh, uh, my people uh, uh, at the publishing house, they were uh, 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 afraid uh, and their fear was so great 
that uh, I had to always watch it. All right. And, uh, 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 but uh, uh, nevertheless, uh, I, I, uh, I, I made it all work. So when did you decide to leave your role as a journalist working for uh, the board there to commit yourself full-time to civil rights? Well, uh, 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 as, as, uh, as it, was the, it was the chance to do it. The point is we did it because we could. It, it, and the point is, you were only the only reason you were a journal, a journalist, right? Is because that was the closest thing to uh, uh, struggling and fighting back, and and changing the uh, the atmosphere, right? Uh, that was the only way we uh, that I could do it. Everybody did that. Every teacher did that, right? Uh, uh, but uh, different result. But uh, and. I we could struggle and fall. That's what you do, and so you know what I'm talking about, right? Is that, uh, uh, and, uh, 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 and that's exactly what a journalist was about. If you were black and a journalist, uh, how did you make, create freedom? When you're sitting in these meetings, this is the thing that I believe is the most underappreciated part of the civil rights movement. The strategy, the vision. So many people, you talk to folks and they react to the speeches, they react to the marches, they react to the public demonstrations. But what has always fascinated me, what, all the behind-the-scenes things, the mediations, the fights, and the battles, and should we go here, should we go here? And so as somebody who was a part of that, who was sitting in those rooms, de describe what that was like to experience that. Well, the point, Ben, is, is that uh, uh, you knew why you were there. <laughs> you knew. I, I mean, I, maybe I've, I've got your 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 you know your uh, uh, attempt to reach me. Uh, uh, maybe I I didn't get it. You get my point. But uh, <clears throat> the movement drove itself. See what I mean? You you didn't spend all that time trying to find out uh, where should we go now, what should we do, right? Uh, you knew it. So it was, so what you're saying is it was, things were moving and progressing that fast. That's exactly right. Coming out of Montgomery bus boycott, yeah. 381 days, and all of a sudden it's just one after another, then of course forced to the North Carolina A&T, and then lunch counter, then the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, that it was just, it was this constant state of motion. Yeah, now, uh, because you had several groups, uh, uh, see, the, uh, uh, and it was, it was, but it was, once the movement started, it was going. Nothing could stop it because we had no fear. See, 
you were going you were going to meet it regardless of what it was, right? I stayed in jail one time for a week uh, uh, when nobody else was in jail. <laughs> I mean, the point is, is that, uh, is that uh, uh, why? Because uh, I was hoping that uh, we'd get something done that, that we didn't think about, all right? Uh, and, uh, but it, it didn't happen that way. But uh, 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 we, we, we all, had, in fact, it ended with, not ended, but uh, uh, we all had little groups. Uh, uh, Jose, I had a group. Uh, uh, I had a group. Uh, uh, Je Jesse ended up with a group. But Jesse wasn't, I, I brought Jesse in the movement, all right, as, uh, uh, because uh, 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 he, he was, uh, uh, he thought he was going to play football. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, then uh, didn't, and, uh, and, but he was good uh, at, a, at a course that uh, he was in. Uh, and his teachers thought he was real good. And, uh, and Samson, all right? Samson uh, 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 knew Jesse. Al Samson. Yeah, Al Samson. And uh, so... And Al, Reverend Al Samson. Yeah, yeah uh -huh, and he knew me. And so uh, 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 he said to me, he says, uh, 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 the, uh, Jesse has a teacher. That uh, is good. I didn't know who Jesse was. Uh, 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 he has his teacher uh, thinks he's good and uh, gives him good good uh, grades in organizing. And uh, 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 so, uh, so you know, <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, and and uh, uh, he, he says. Uh, 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 we need to get him in the movement, right? And so uh, I went over to their apartment at the University of Chicago. I went, uh, went over to their apartment, and, uh, 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 and Jesse uh, 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 was understandable. He wanted to be a part of something, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, he came in. But his wife, on the other hand, uh, 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 was just going to float with him, right? Uh, but uh, my wife met her, and they became friends. <laughs> <laughs> so that paved the way. That made it a lot easier. Yeah, that made it a lot easier all the way around. And uh, 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 she was more fun. Because it meant she she almost would run over a car if it's gotten away. <laughs> I know the, this is not in the, in the thing where you'll take it out, but the, but the point being is that uh, 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 is that uh, uh, and they became good friends and they were always always together, right? Uh, uh, but they were just said it, it that was in Chicago. Uh, uh, but anyway, that, that's just side stuff. When you, um, <laughs> we, we read these stories, yeah. read these stories about the depression Dr. King would be under, uh, the, the heavy pressure, the, the, the burden, 
especially as we go beyond 65 and then 66 and 67. Say, oh, 65, 65. And, and, and so how, what, how did y'all deal with just all of that? What, what, what was, what was your release valve? Was it, was it music? Was it laughter? Was it just a camaraderie? Uh, because you're under this constant state. So kind of who it was. Uh, 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 Martin <clears throat> was an intellectual. I mean, uh, and that's how he handled things, right? Uh, uh, we, Even though Ambassador Young said he had a wicked sense of humor. Huh? Oh, oh, a wicked sense of humor. Well, he had a sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, and uh, uh, and he had more than that. See, the point being is because he was such an intellectual, is that nothing really got in his way. All right, uh, 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 he knew what he wanted to do and already figured it out. Been in, um, uh, been uh, uh, at the universities, uh, and, and we figured it all out. He knew what he had to do, right? Uh, and uh, uh, so that uh, uh, he really, uh, he, he just, he had a hard time dealing with, uh, without bringing it up, had a hard time dealing with some of the guys that, uh, uh, that uh, Jose had brought up, for instance, right? Uh, they were just, uh, and uh, they, they uh, were not necessarily uh, your choice. Not <laughs> <laughs> necessarily intellectual types. <laughs> when, when he gave the speech at Riverside Church, yeah. James Bevel, Diane Nash were pushing him to, to take a much harder stance against the Vietnam War. Where were you on that? I, I, I'm always against war, but is that the moment that you do that, right? Is uh, what else is there that you have to do? So when he made that decision, were you one of the voices that said, Doc, what are you doing? No, no, I never said no. I, I Is that a movement to me is so much a part of of the essence of a group that you don't you don't you don't have to tell so Hosea Hosea was was a problem just not <laughs> I just because Hosea uh, 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 would go to uh, 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 what's what's Martin's what's his name uh, what's the, the, at uh, uh, who was second man in charge Abernathy 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 and and he couldn't have his way in the group he would try to run to uh, Jose, <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, uh, but uh, we knew when to uh, 
and when to uh, cut him off and when not to, right? Because uh, I mean, uh, 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 Ab knew when to cut him off, and so did uh, Martin. And so there was a different time sometimes, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, they always, uh, he had a hard time uh, getting his way uh, by that way, right? King goes to Memphis. Yeah. He's Keep in time. Memphis. Yeah. Where are you? Are you there with him? Or no. are you somewhere else? No, I was in Chicago. Uh, 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 when he went to Memphis, I, I was in Chicago. And he often still communicated via phone with all of his different lieutenants at different places. Well, uh, 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 yes and no. I mean, uh, we did, uh, but uh, not necessarily uh, uh, in uh, all working on the same thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right, because at this point, he had different folks who were doing different things in yeah. different parts of the country. Right. So at 6.01 p.m. on April 4th, where are you? I don't know. I, I, 6.01 p.m. April 4th, 1968. Oh, you mean when Martin was shot? Were you, were you in Chicago? Yeah, when I, when, no. Yeah, I, I was. I, when he was shot? Yeah. Yeah, I was. And I was, I went, when uh, 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 I was coming, coming back to our apartment. And uh, 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 and they kept saying on the radio, uh, Martin King is shot. And then, they, and then finally they said, he is dead, right? Uh, uh, and I knew right off the bat that he was dead, right? And before they even said it, because uh, they, they wanted the public to, you know, a little at a time, uh, and, and I was on the other side of, uh, of, the, of the city, and uh, that's a long ways. And, uh, and uh, uh, by the time I got to the house, they had announced. And uh, so I, I uh, uh, remember that uh, mid-level, you had, uh, uh, what, what did they call it, some sort of uh, uh, level uh, house. Uh, that uh, and and it had two sets of stairs, mm-hmm. and you uh, went up uh, uh, one one set of stairs to the bedrooms, and you went to other set steps for the for uh, the, the rest of the house, right? And um, I was so when I I came in, started up the stairs, and. Uh, the wife was in the living room, so she said, are you going? And I said, yes, and kept moving, right? And, uh, and my wife knew that I was, I was you know, going, uh, going because she, had, she asked me, and I, I told her, uh, uh, um, what's his name? So she asked you this question. Here you have the news of Dr. King being dead. Yeah. And your immediate reaction is, we keep moving. That's right. Because, and, and do it together. Because 
uh, now you have you have something quite. You have to be together to 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 act react to this. Uh, the Martin, you have you have to. Uh, 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 it, it's had to be. But did his death change everything? No, it, no. See, no. In fact, we kept going as much as we could, right? As that, uh, and we, in fact, uh, 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 I remember a fellow that was working with the Kennedys, and uh, 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 that uh, uh, he and I were at the office, and we were we were going to try to raise uh, uh, money for for the continuation of the movement, right? Uh, and uh, 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 which we did. Um, but we didn't raise a lot of money, but uh, we were still at it, right? And this was what was going to our our talk to uh, the rest of the group, right? What are you going to do, right? Because uh, that's that's it. They didn't do much of anything, really. They were everybody was distraught. Uh, I and the fellow from from the, uh, the, that worked with the Kennedys, we were not. So, you, so you're saying that in, so in this aftermath, so many folks who were around him were just in this different state. And so here you have this huge figure who's now dead. And you're, and it's interesting you're saying that because what, what, what Reverend Lawson told me was, was the exact same thing. It was all about the work. He said he did. He said he did not really grieve until it was July or August. Yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, 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 the point being is, there. I don't remember grieving at all. This was what you. Always expected, all right. But you knew also that that wasn't going to end the struggle, and it's the struggle that you were concerned about, and you were the struggle that Martin was concerned about. It was uh, 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 that's what it was all about, right? Is that it wasn't about uh, well Martin is dead and so let's go home and uh, that's nonsense. Is that you would work harder because uh, uh, you didn't have uh, a Martin King. He was now. Uh, 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 not only dead, but he was uh, to also mourning. We were also mourning, as far as I was concerned. Uh, the next day, uh, 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 when Coretta came out, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, the mayor uh, got a plane for him, I was there the next morning too, right? And uh, and when uh, and they and and 
And remember, uh, he was shot, of course. And uh, I, I, and there was the story among us that uh, that uh, that uh, that, uh, 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 that they had uh, uh, that Martin not only was Martin dead, but that the fellow that shot him was right across the uh, way, right? Uh, and so I went over and got to the door and uh, and to and 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 to see how close it was. And so and and I got down on my knees at the window and uh, uh, and 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 so forth, stuff like that, because. We were wanted to know as much as we could know, but uh, we knew that uh, 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 everything was going to change, uh, uh, and, uh, and 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 it did. And it's just like, and, and what else changed was the new movement, right? Right now, the movement they we got of the kids, right? Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, that's right. Is that because? Uh, they've got that, but now uh, look, they learned something quickly that uh, that we had already known that uh, it was also time to die. I mean, uh, you knew that uh, that you were if if you were going to have to die, you knew you were going to die, right? But the kids, the the young guys now. Young people now—I say kids, but girls and boys—they—they—they mm -hmm. uh, 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 they really didn't get it. But you know who did get it? The 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 guy that was their leader at the university, the the uh, 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 their president of the organization, and mm -hmm. uh, 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 and he knew something. That the rest of them hadn't have. They were not ready for a movement. What I mean by that is, for a movement, you got to be ready to die. All right. And and the point is, if you are not, is that you can be bluffed, and that's what was happening to most of the kids at the university and uh, 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 that's. The, this movement, right? But the young guy, the young guy that really gave it its name, right? He had done. He 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 was going to uh, starve himself, right? Hmm? What he had learned was that if you're not ready to die, you can't have a movement. I've been with those kids uh, 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 since uh, in Florida, uh, once in, a, in, in another situation. But uh, but uh, uh, and uh, uh, they weren't ready to go all the way for a movement, right? Uh, and uh, uh, but. The young guy that was head of it, he uh, he understood. 
20, 30, 40 years from now, it's going to be a kid, elementary school, junior high school, high school, doesn't matter. They're going to be looking at some vid films, a DVD, a document, looking at some photos. <laughs> they're going to be reading something. And gonna, You're all right, Dad. Keep going. They're going to come across Reverend C.T. Vivian. Yeah. They're going to see that newsreel. They're going to see you getting punched and you coming right back. They're yeah. going to see all of that. What do you want that student to know about you when they see that? It doesn't matter. What I want them to know is what they're going to have to do. It's, it's, I don't care what they think about me. Is that the point being is, is that they, they've had to learn uh, 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 what they're going to have to do, right? If they learn what they have to do, then then that's 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 the name of the story, and and whether ten of them do and and ten of them don't, uh, it doesn't matter to me. They don't all have to do anything, right? And and uh, uh, because they didn't in the first place, uh, 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 because you just don't, right? Uh, and uh, and you're not going to have everybody. It's a changed uh, 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 setup. You have you've done your struggle, really. You see what I mean? And uh, 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 and uh, you're uh, uh, and if they learn what you would like for them to learn, fine. But the point is, you kept the struggle going as long as you could, right? And uh, and and you hope that they learn, right? Uh, uh, and gained uh, the stuff it takes to really be. See, and I, I don't even like saying stuff it takes. And it sounds like, you know, you're, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw a few names out. Uh, this will be the last part here. Okay. Um, short answers. Just going to throw a name out. See what you have to say when I throw the name out. Um, <laughs> you good guy. First name I will bring up. Um, Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte. Harry, uh, Harry has always been a support and a help for, for, for not only the movement, but for other things as well, right? And, uh, uh, and I've liked him ever since, uh, ever since I n knew anything about him, really. Uh, 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 is that, uh, uh, and, I've got a picture down there. I know it's uh, 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 and um, the thing is, is that uh, 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 so I know he's always going to help out in any time it goes. And he was a real support service to Martin. Diane Ash. Diane Ash. Oh, Diane is always going to. Uh, uh, Diane is is the is the one person, the the only woman we had. That you really and the, everybody made her the, 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 uh, uh, their leader, right? Right? Uh, uh, and uh, and Diane, Diane's really something else. Ella Baker. Oh, Ella Baker. Ella Baker. Ella Baker was a natural. Ella, Ella, uh, and when that car broke down, and uh, and. Hurt her. Uh, it's not that it hurt her, but that it it put her out of out of uh, out of 
the real action, right? That, like she was used to, right? Ella suffered from. Uh, uh, she was. She was always a person that uh, uh, was going to speak up and uh, always going to move forward. John Lewis. John Lewis. John, listen, is that uh, I, the thing I always said uh, uh, is that, uh, 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 that John, John was, see, I'm, I remember we were in seminary together, right? And uh, uh, and John never really seemed to be uh, as great as he is, but uh, he is and was and uh, uh, always will be. Not he, and he has the integrity. Oh, I think, actually, I didn't spend much time with him, but I think of him as the smartest guy we had. Uh, uh, that uh, he uh, 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 and 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 had 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 uh, uh, the kind of uh, stuff it takes, all right. Uh, uh, and in fact, I didn't even know he was around for uh, for a while. It's, uh, uh, but uh, but uh, he was in Mississippi, see, mm -hmm. and uh, and it was a while before most of us. Got out of uh, the the. Uh, 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 in fact, uh, that's something I want to say is that we owe Alabama more than we owe anybody anything. Is that uh, uh, the the those those states those uh, uh, states uh, 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 gave us. Every one of them gave us something, right? Uh, I mean, it, uh, uh, they, 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 they broke ground for us, all right? Uh, and, uh, uh, and I don't think that you can write anything about movement without, without every one of those states, Montgomery right on through Selma. Right? Jesse Jackson, Sr. Jesse, Je Jesse is. Uh, 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 I, I think that Jesse, Jesse never understood nonviolence, but he, uh, uh, but he never stopped fighting either. He was, he, uh, he, he was. Uh, but now, when you say fight, uh, you think, oh boy, he's a fighter. No, he's not that kind of factor. He was like a football player, and uh, 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 but he never stopped moving forward, and uh, uh, and and he, 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 he he's uh, and he's done a job. I was with him last oh, last month, right? and uh, and and uh, I was surprised that uh, uh, and he's uh, Jesse's all right. Clark Jones. Clarence Jones. Clarence Jones. Who's Clarence Jones? King's attorney. Huh? MLK's attorney. Who's the attorney? Dr. King's attorney, Clarence Jones. Oh, oh Clarence Jones. Uh, one of his, one of his. Uh, yeah, yeah, California. Yep. Uh, 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 the legal uh, guy. Uh, yeah, now California. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 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 
I was going to show you something that I got uh, from him. Uh, uh, he, uh, um, uh, uh, where is it? <laughs> but but uh, 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 he's, he's, I just was with him a few months ago. He was in town, right? And, uh, uh, and he's the legal mind. And uh, uh, I, uh, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him at all, really. But, uh, but uh, he's always to be highly respected and listened to. Merle Evers Williams. Oh, I never knew her until late. She was head of, uh, of the NAACP mm -hmm. by the time I, I really knew her. Uh, because uh, the NAACP and our groups were kind of really separate, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and as far as, far as I was concerned, they were too legal for me. <laughs> uh, me? Uh, you want more? Uh, you want more fight? Yeah, I mean the point being is is that uh, I, I want to make certain that they would never tell me uh, that no lawyer could tell me you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. <laughs> oh yes, I can. Reverend uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> C. T. Vivian, yeah. it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're that you're here. I I don't know how we took up this much time, uh, but uh, but because I was sitting there thinking, uh, I was uh, uh, sitting while I was waiting. I was sitting there thinking, hmm, well, we gotta. Taking this and taking this and taking that. I don't know how we're going to get all this in. <laughs> I know how to cover it all. You did, Doc. I know how to cover it all. And this is why I kept saying to you, uh, you know, I kept smiling and, and looking at you and uh, uh, saying, yeah, you know, and then you're going to because uh, 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 you you were asking the questions and you were asking the questions that, uh, uh, that were real. And, well uh, yeah, that's right, Doc. I appreciate it. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you looking for the perfect move in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375%. APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.